0: Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show House of the Dragon? Hello everyone, my name is Caroline, I use she her pronouns and I'm here with Gretchen.
1: Hey everyone, this is Gretchen and I use they them pronouns.
0: And we are continuing our analysis of fire and blood. Uh really actually we're at Gretchen, the end of our season, I guess. Yeah, right? we are it up. we are finishing up this chapter,
1: The Long Rain, uh with Jaharis and Alison. And we just arbitrarily decided this is the end of our first season. Because mm-hmm. after this we're gonna be heading into territory that is um covered by the T V show, um, mm-hmm. House of the Dragon. And so we figured that we would make that its own season. So uh yeah, yeah. Right.
0: so for this section we started on page 326 with um with the line joe targaryen celebrated his 50th name day and we just read through the end of the chapter uh where our good queen Alisande passes away at the ripe <sighs> old age of 64 64. Mm, rest in Yikes. peace to yeah. a real one she was a real one ah uh, truly we we have gretchen i feel like we have thoughts about this section yeah um, just some uh-huh a just few. some. just a, a few just a few thoughts about this section um, before we get into the high level summary though, I do wanna let our listeners know this as this is the last episode in our our season and have the way that we're breaking the book up, we are breaking the book up into three quote unquote seasons. This is season one. Um, we will be doing Gretchen and I will be doing some retrospective episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh we are looking for guests if we have listeners that wanna come in and talk about a particular thing, a particular aspect of this section of the story. Um that please email us we will also be emailing uh, reaching out to a few people probably by the time this podcast airs we will have done that mm-hmm. hopefully uh, i'm getting better at emails I'm not great <laughs> at it but i'm getting better at emails um better than i'm doing unfortunately yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah if, if emails are being answered it's probably me but that's okay it's, mm-hmm. it's both of us we both have access to the email account so we could both see it um so yeah if you've got areas in particular you want to talk about if there's like a mythological thing or a particular character or a particular section a a theme that you really like Mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna try to keep the retrospective episodes also spoiler free for yeah the rest of fire and blood but in the same way we've been doing where game of thrones the song of ice and fire and house of the dragon are all on the table so if you have if you have ideas please reach out to us and you do not need to talk to us for two hours uh we can do shorter episodes (laughs) (laughs) that's that's just us (laughs) right right this is just what
1: happens when you put caroline and i in a call in front of a microphone
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And say, what do you think about this? Uh, we we push our glasses up and say, well, actually, okay. <laughs> turns out. Gotcha, as a fun side note, I went back and I listened to our very first podcast, our our pilot episode. Uh huh. <laughs> We were gonna do. We said we were gonna try to keep these episodes short. <laughs> <laughs> ha, 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 ha 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 Oh well, you know we didn't succeed at everything we planned, but we succeeded at a lot anyway. Did a little bait
1: and switch <laughs> for you all. Sorry about In, that, but actually just, not sorry.
0: We're just giving you more content, guys. We're just giving you many hours and hours of content on this book.
1: Turns out sure. that when you when you analyze ten pages. You're not actually just analyzing ten pages, and especially the further into this book you get, you're like yeah this is this is only ten pages, but like we mm. have like two hundred other pages before this that are potentially related, yep,
0: exactly. Let me tell you about themes uh, <laughs> so let's get into this last section here with our high level summary what what happens in this part? Well, we start
1: this section with Visera. we are coming mm. to the second to last of Jaharis' children mm. um the youngest of that kind of group of four that uh, that the maester decided to label like the problem children, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was Vagon and Dayella and Sarah and now Hmm.
2: um
1: it but by the way, total side note whenever I think of the fact that it's Sarah and vicera, I think of the fact that you have like counts and viscounts <laughs>
0: <laughs> they really were running out of names over here <laughs> like this is Sarah, and this is. Bye,
1: bye, sarah. bye sarah
0: i think that after sarah they should have just started picking normal names but spelling them weird yeah like you know this is sarah and this is nicole but it's spelled like n-e-i-a-k-o-l you <laughs> know and this one's lauren it's like l-a-e-u-r-y-n some shit like that yep, <laughs> the
1: targaryens were
0: the original like
1: weird white people spellings yeah. of baby names <laughs>
0: There has to be a Y in the middle of every name. Absolutely, and an <laughs> AE instead of an A because you yeah. you know you gotta have that extra vowel in there. That's how you make the name Sarah Targaryen. It's S A E R R A. Yeah, Sarah. Uh huh. Is You're it two like, R's? I can't remember. No, I think it's just one R. Just one R. My bad. My bad. Visera Viser- has Visera has two R's. Yeah. <laughs> so uh viscera was one of the problem children because if you all remember she was beautiful and she knew it and she knew how, it how dare she how dare uh, she know that she's one of the pretty people exactly um wow. so for some reason allison betrothed viscera to theomor manderley and i'm confused by this and we could talk about this yeah. more in an analysis but he's like he's like an a nice dude, if you guys recall, he hosted Alicent in the past when she visited White Harbor. Mm-hmm. And it's like a good political match or whatever, but Viserys 15, and he's way older, and he's had four previous wives. Yep, yep. I have
1: I have a whole section on our analysis of, like, how old is Theodore Vanderlei. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he must old. be in his
0: 40s. He must at least be in his 40s. He's older than that. Really? It okay, to he be. must Yeah. This is very, a very strange match to me for Alysanne to make for Viserra. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I I don't, I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it either. Uh, We'll get into that analysis, I'm sure. But she patrols them, and is like, but what if I married my brother Balon instead? Because Uh his wife Alyssa's dead, and she was ugly anyway, and I'm beautiful. Which I'm like, thanks for that little bit of patriarchy there, Viserra. (laughs) Um,
1: Solid 15-year-old teenage girl reasoning. Yeah, it is. It is actually very realistic. Right. Uh, I mean, she's a Targaryen. Like, they wed siblings all the time. Like, her mm-hmm. logic is actually pretty sound for her age and this patriarchy and this particular royal family that wed siblings to each other to be like,
2: mm-hmm. I am a
1: beautiful Targaryen princess.
0: Why should I not marry my brother? <laughs> and her brother is closer in age to her than Theomore mentally. But for some reason, the text says Alysanne was determined to prevent that. Yeah, I don't, again. Don't know why. Wh- wh- why it wouldn't? I'm so it so wildly confuses me. I, I, it, I it would have been a good match, right? Yeah. I mean, it had been two years since Alyssa had died, and the text indicates that Balon had not looked at other women. He might have still been in mourning, but like the sister, Viserys only fifteen. They could have waited another two, three years when he was like mm-hmm. out of mourning to marry. There was no rush. Yep. He he already had two sons, so it was. I mean, the succession at this point is very established. So yep. it it's. Very, very odd.
1: Yeah, doesn't Um, make any sense.
2: Um,
1: So, yeah, when she finds out that she's betrothed to Theomor, rumor has it she tries to seduce her brother Mm -hmm. um, by showing up naked and drunk in his bed, and he rejects Mm. her. Um, But this is, like, quite literally the text says if rumors are to be believed. So we can decide whether or not we want to believe the rumors. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he rejects her, she decides to, you know, have have an epic bachelorette party on the town um mm-hmm. and then gets you know decides to race her friends with their with their horse cars um mm-hmm. through the streets <laughs> um and ends up getting thrown from her horse and hits a wall and breaks her neck
0: yep and whoopsie dies doodle whoopsie doodle Oops. uh this is why teenage drinking is bad yeah don't dr- don't drink and drive yeah uh, that's the story here don't drink and ride Yep. <laughs> don't drink and ride your horse friends uh, and so then they tell the king and queen, and they're they're big sad
2: because mm-hmm. uh,
0: their daughter's dead. Yep. Um, and Alisande, you know, leans on her surviving daughters, Miguel, who's like twenty five, I think the text says mm-hmm. at that point comes back to King's Landing and spends time with her mom, which is really nice of her. I love Miguel mm-hmm. I would like a spinoff about Miguel Yeah, she
1: really interesting, actually. She really does.
0: Like, like, a, like a short TV show, or even like a two or three episodes in like a larger show about various Targaryens, like we mm-hmm. had been talking about. To also see the life of what, what happens with Septas, and like the politicking within the Sept, and stuff like that, that'd be really interesting. And then it, we get later in the section she ultimately dies because she gets grayscale because she's caring for people that have grayscale. So she's like a really nice giving person. Yeah. She like devotes
1: her life to, to serving people with grayscale and then gets her disease and dies, which is like, what a, just like what a power move for like a Targaryen.
2: It's very
0: similar to, um, what happened with, uh, leprosy, Mm -hmm. um, which I forget the actual term for leprosy, uh, because that's not like the medical term for it, but that's what it was called at the time. Um, but that was the, that was always the concern was that you could, con- at first it was unknown how the disease was transmitted. And so the concern was if you took care of people that had it, you would get it. And uh, it was deadly up until um, the cure was found. It's also called Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease. Yeah. That's what it's called. I think that's called. the preferred term now. Yeah. Yeah. Hansen's disease. Mm-hmm. Um there were yeah. like colonies of people with Hansen's disease. There's a, there's one um, uh, fun fact. There's one on Hawaii on the island of Molokai uh, that's still there. Uh, there's just, they're the pe- the people that live there are like the <coughs> descendants of people that lived there before. They don't there's not mm. active Hansen's disease or whatever because now it's curable. The fun fact: the medication that cures Hansen's disease um, is the same medication that they gave to women in Europe to help with nausea during pregnancy that leads to very serious birth deformations. So Yay. you can't take it if you're pregnant, but it does cure your Hansen's disease. <laughs> Fun facts here at House of Fire and Blood.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, she's taking comfort in her daughters, but very understandably, Alison's like, dude, I, like, hubby, I want to reconnect with, you know, we have another daughter who's living. Mm-hmm. She's alive. I would like to reconnect with her please it's been mm-hmm. a couple years so mm-hmm. she wants to reach out to sarah who is still living in lice lice yeah however you want to say that i hate calling yeah. it lice but the audiobook
0: calls it lice the audiobook calls it lice so yeah i, I don't know if that. that's right or not mm-hmm. um yeah and and jaharis is like no She's a whore, and I'm very slut-shaming in my old age. Yeah, and uh, don't, don't, don't you do it? And he does give her a speech that I think was good for him to give, which is like he's like, "I'm forbidding you to go." and he's like leaving the room, and he stops, and he's like, "So I know I just forbade you to go, but I know you well <laughs> enough to know that that doesn't mean anything." Yep, he, yep. He's like, "I recognize that I can't really stop you." So let me just play it out for you real quick. Mm-hmm. If you go there on Silverwing and try to get her, let's say she even wants to come with you, which she probably won't. She's probably going to spit in your face or some shit. But say she even wants to come with you. The Lyseti are not going to release this piece of property they have that's making them tons of money. So they're going to like either charge you or fight you or also capture you. And then it's going to cause, like, a war of some kind. Because either you're going to have to burn shit with Silverwing, or you're going to get captured, and we're going to have to come get you. Like, it's going to be a political headache if you do this. He's not wrong. Mm -hmm. He's not wrong. And then he leaves the room. And so Alisandre does not, in fact, go to Lys with her dragon. And I'm like, I I get that. I think that was probably the right decision. Mm
2: -hmm. The
0: only way I could see... I mean, we talk about more analysis of how Alisandre could have gotten her, but... but Jaharis is still being like misogyny queen over here. Yep. Misogyny king, I guess. Yep.
1: yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he like exaggerates what she did and mm-hmm. um... it's very unconciliatory of him, Caroline.
0: He's the conciliator, Gretchen. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> He's the old king who conciliates and builds roads. Yep well That's he, all he is, really he wants is, is to see roads better
1: with roads than with daughters according to the maester
0: <laughs> maester elisar i love him <laughs> yep
1: yep oh elisar just continues to give these just yeah. like he's the audience avatar in there super great one-liners <laughs> yes um very good so she doesn't get to see sarah and then uh they have
0: a fight <laughs> She leaves. She goes, okay, fucking bye then. I'm going to Dragonstone. Guess I'm gonna... going to our summer home. Uh-huh. I'll see you when I see you. Yep. And he goes
1: on. They were going to go on Royal Progress together because it had been a while. And she was mm-hmm. like, you can go by yourself. I'm going to Dragonstone. And he does. And he's gone for like over a year. Hmm. He just doesn't he, come home.
0: <laughs> he goes everywhere. He goes all in the Westerlands. He mm-hmm. goes to Fair Isle. He goes to the Shields. Yeah. And at different points in time, Aemon joins him. Sometimes Baylon joins him. Sometimes and Rhaenys, Rain? sixteen year old yeah. our girl Rhaenys joins love him. Her. We do love her. She's great. Mm-hmm. She comes on Melis, the Red Queen. Yep. Uh, who is Alyssa's dragon? Mm-hmm.
1: So she claimed she had claimed Alyssa's dragon. Yeah, um, I think this is
0: this is the first time we found
1: out that she claimed. Right?
0: Or Did yep. we find out previously that she? claimed I think claimed we her? found out that this is the first time we find yeah. out. Um,
1: and at this, you know, during this trip. She decides she wants to marry Corlys Velaryon, and he's totally yep. down because he loves he already loves his hot Targaryen wife to be. Already, yep, loves his hot Targaryen. Oh, wife.
0: Corlys has some great. Oh my God, some of the lines are so romantic. Uh-huh. Wait, I gotta pull, I gotta pull them up. You gotta give me a second because i was just
1: like, ugh. like if I were gonna marry a dude, it would be Corlys mm-hmm. Velaryon. Like there are not a lot of dudes in Westeros that I'm like, oh that guy, but like
0: corliss yeah well, because corliss. Like, we, we talked we talked about before uh, Well, i'm sure we'll talk about more he was inspired by Alyssa farman yeah right like, he values women you can tell by the things he does and says in his actions that he values women mm-hmm. so he says only you could have won me away from the sea talking to rainus i came back from the ends of the earth for you and she's like we can go back to the ends of the earth together but i'll get there first because i'll be flying mm-hmm. and he's like fuck yes He's like yes. Yep. Absolutely.
1: He's like, this bitch is so hot. Uh. Uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) Oh, God. These two are just
2: uh
0: Now he is thirty seven and she is sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. But okay, but but you know what? I'm okay with it because she seems to really be into it. Right. Yes. Is it is it kind of squeaky? Yes. It's not as squeaky as her being younger than that. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You know it could be worse. And she has a particular amount of agency being a Targaryen princess and a dragon rider. Yeah. And she clearly chose him. She's choosing to marry him. Right.
1: Yeah. This is yeah. not, she's being forced into it. Like, she's choosing right. to marry this man. And in my head canon, she totally proposed to him and was like, you, I want to marry you. And he's I like. I think so too. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 I'll marry you. Yeah. So, like. Yeah. He's like, feels absolutely. feels a little different. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally down. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um. I do think they have more equality being in that that you know they have that sea and sky thing kind of going on. Yeah. Uh that makes them more equal. But well, we can talk more about them. Mhm. Um so you know, Jaharis is going around, he's looking at his roads, everything he's you know, he's doing his minecraft, he's living his life. And then some shit goes down in the free cities, and the text is really vague about exactly what happens. Yeah. But like, like really some-
1: intentionally vague. Like some stuff happened. Here's the long and short of it.
0: Yeah. The is the like, listen, we don't have to go into the details. And I'm like, Martin, I know you didn't want to write about it. <laughs> it's okay. I, don't, I don't want to read about it. I don't care about the free cities. Yeah, it's this fine.
1: is one of the few times that when the master's like, I don't need to give you all the details. Then I'm like, you're right. You don't. You this don't, is fine. Don't. I exactly. don't need all of
0: this. <laughs> Ultimately, this fighting in the free cities and the step zones leads to the Mirish trying to invade Tarth. The island of Tarth. Sure. Uh, which seems so weird to me. Hold on. Wait, I wanted to, I wanted to Google the map again. Uh Map of... Because I always think about Tarth as being much further north, but actually I don't think it is. I think I'm wrong about that. Let's see if I can... Claw Isle, Dragon Oh, yeah, okay. So if you look at a map of Westeros, there's, like, the Stepstones. A little bit north of Stepstones is Tyrosh, and then to the northwest of that, directly due northwest of Tyrosh, is is Tarth. It's even Fall Hall, mm-hmm. uh the island of Tarth. So it actually is, like, the closest island that is Westerosi to where the free cities are having this uh-huh. you know, fight. So it does make sense. I always thought Tarth was much further north. I'm, I'm silly. Silly me. Um, so the Mirish go there and like surprise everybody because no one expected. No, no one, one expects, expects the, the Mirish invasion. <laughs> <was thinking> <laughs> Their chief weapon is surprise. And, and crossbows. Oh, oh. So what happens when the, the nobody expects the Mirish invasion? Is that Aemon, the heir to the throne, is killed by a thros- crossbow
1: to the throat?
0: Yep, because the he gets king throat sent punched. the king sent Aemon with his dragon Caraxes and some ships and shit, and they're like, "We're gonna take care of these Mearish." And then it's just like the happenstance of fate, you know? These Mearish scouts see they actually see Aemon walking with. Even star of Tarth, and they wanted to shoot the even star, but they missed. Maybe.
1: Oh, oh, hmm. I don't know how the maester knows that that's what happened.
0: Huh, huh. I never thought about that. Huh, okay, okay. I'm we'll here t- for it. We, your... we can talk we'll, about we'll, that. We'll, we'll talk, about, talk it. about that. I like that. I like that. So, Eamon dies, and Jaheris is heartbroken. Uh-huh. Ja never recovers yep. from the death of Eamon. And I'm like, absolutely fuck you. Yep. So many of your daughters have died. Adult daughters. I'm not talking, like the baby when the babies die, like it's sad, but like infant mortality is a thing in, in this time, right? Uh but he's fucking heartbroken when Eamon dies and like starts drinking every day. Yep. And I'm like, what about Alyssa? Uh huh. What about Dayella? Uh huh. Well, I mean all- Sarah. What oh, oh, not Sarah, sorry, Visera. Yep. All these other children. hmm mm-hmm. Fucking Yep. <sighs> yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yep. 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 So, anyway, um, yeah. So, anyway, we will talk. We will again, we will talk about that. Mm-hmm. We will talk
1: about some, uh, some uh little,
0: in, little, little. in response to Eamon's death, they go and like totally wipe out the mirrors from Tarth. So, they like go full, full ham on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they pull in Aegon and, and Visenya and are just like, yeah, our, they burn everything. Our sister is dead.
0: Mm-hmm. Fuck all of you.
1: Yep. Burn it down. Again, yep, a very, yep. very normal response to grief is to just murder a bunch of people very normal very that's normal what i do targeting. when i'm sad
0: yeah i do just murder a murder left and right um uh, then viserys uh the firstborn son of uh prince balon uh viserys claims Balarian. uh-huh uh and then balerion says oh, that was too much for me and dies <laughs> surely thereafter.
1: i have had one rider too many um i'm done
0: Valerian says you were too heavy. <laughs> that's it. That's the end. <laughs> Bye, everyone. He Valerian lived a long life. Peace. Yeah, so he dies, and um, R.I.P. Valerian. Uh, other people die in this time period. Except yeah, there's a lot of death. Barth and Maester Ellisar R.I.P. You will be. Yeah, missed. we love both okay. of them. Um, and then the text is kind of about Allison. And, like, her last days, the rest of the chapters about this, um, she's you know, is getting older. It's, it's crazy, because the way the text talks about it, you think she's, like, in her 80s or 90s? Yep. She is 64 when she dies.
1: Yeah, when it talks about how, like, she broke her hip and was losing her hearing, she's 59.
0: I was I, like, what? I mean, people get, I mean, that is not, that people are not that old at that point. This is, like, and I don't know why he represents it this way, Uh. But I George we'll be R. R. Martin, about.
1: what is the average life expect- expectancy in Westeros?
0: <laughs> right, like I just, I'm just confused.
1: But I was anyway. also very confused because I was like, kept being like, "Wow, she's got to be really old." And then I figured out, I was like, "She's 59."
0: Yeah, it's not that old. Yeah, exactly. Like I think about like my parents. They're my, my parents are both going to turn 70 this year. Yeah, and they don't have these issues. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I mean, we have like modern medicine or whatever, but like that doesn't like make your hearing good or bad. Did you like? Right. It's interesting. I don't know. Maybe she was sick. Yeah. Alone, yeah. So. My
1: dad is like early 70s and he's like, mm-hmm. you would never know it if you met my dad. My dad is very healthy and very like mm-hmm. active and works out, like works out and yeah. stuff. And he's like 73. So yeah. I'm reading about someone being 59 and
0: like breaking a hip and I'm like, did do they not know about osteoporosis?
1: I guess maybe like,
0: I maybe. don't know. I don't know. Those serpents. She falls on the serpentine steps. A lot of shit happens on those serpentine steps. Mm-hmm. and she is one of many people to get injured on the serpentine steps um, yeah.
1: so yeah anyway she gets old and frail and like she can't be involved in politics or ride her dragon we will talk about that and that section just makes me want to cry
0: yeah um yeah. it's so sad mm-hmm.
1: um and then gail the youngest disappears from court mm-hmm. and then we find out that like she was seduced by a singer and gives birth to a stillborn baby and walks into the ocean
0: allegedly allegedly because the initial story that goes around is like she died of a summer fever and then after the king and queen are dead the story comes out about this stillbirth uh-huh and i honestly neither of those things make sense to me yeah so uh we'll, we'll definitely talk about it yeah about what well, yes <laughs> what really what could have actually happened there but yeah, yeah. uh and, and it should and- go it ahead just, i just want to note that alisanne going to dragonstone this is the first quarrel The second quarrel is not contained within this, our first season of podcast, but there is a second quarrel. It is described in the next section, which we will eventually get to, but this is known as the first quarrel. They do reconcile within the section from the first quarrel because when Jaharis visits Miguel in Old Town as part of his progress, Miguel says to him, she's like, bro, dad, you are the conciliator. It is time to conciliate. Go, go make peace. Go reconcile with with your wife. And he did, and that conversation between the two of them, because it's dis- it's discussed in the text that there is a conversation, but they don't know. Nobody knows what they talked about. But then they were really close after that. I'm so curious. Yep. What that conversation? Yeah. What, what a great conversation to script for mm-hmm. the screen. That could be so, so many layers to that, and so that the egos of the two of them, and the the grief of the two of that like there's so many things that you could play with in that that i think would be just absolutely phenomenal yeah
1: Yeah, and i think we can talk about in our analysis whether what we think those components some interesting components to script might be absolutely Um, but yeah um gail dies and like basically like Ann is just like bereft utterly bereft at this point Mm -hmm. um we find out and we'll talk about this more like we find out that only three of her children outlive her she had mm-hmm. thirteen kids. Thirteen. Thirteen. Only three of them 13. outlive her. Ten of her ten children die before Alisan dies.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and the three that survive her, that survive her, are mm-hmm. Balon. Hmm. Um. Uh. And the two that are away. No, not Magel. Not Magel. Oh no, dies. no, not Mago. uh Um. Vagon. Balon, Vagon and Sarah
1: mm-hmm. yep. are the
0: three that survive Alisan. Yeah.
1: Yep, and only one of them is around at court, and that is Balon, because Vagon right. is at the Citadel and Sarah
0: is uh, in Essos. And this is not a spoiler because the text says it that Balon dies before Jaharas. Yep. That's in the text that Jaehaerys had was, was really upset about Amon, but he had no idea how Balon's death was going to throw everyone into a tizzy, and that's kind of where uh, House of the yeah. Dragon picks up. Yeah, uh, with the yeah, great council. And-
1: and um because yeah and also one of the one of the last things is the chapter is um how balon was a comfort to mm-hmm. alisanne as she's you know most of her children are dead and literally the only child literally her only living child in court is mm-hmm. Baylon. Mm-hmm. because like i said vagon is at the citadel and sarah is in essos so like literally mm-hmm. she has one child around her at court as she's like reaching the end of her life and he gives her comfort and she says like you're gonna make a great king one day even better than your father and then like the maester says something like how little did she know like Mm. how could she how could she know which is like yeah how could she know that he would not in fact be king because he dies he also dies before yeah
0: he can become it's also it's also interesting given her opinions on succession that she would say that that she would assume he would be king, even though Eamon had had Reynus.
1: Yeah, I don't know how this relates to the second quarrel, which we will talk right. about. Right. Uh-huh. So you're... we
0: should keep a pin in this, because the second quarrel is about succession.
1: Right. So there's uh, And there's you know. one other comment that's made this section that doesn't make sense to me, which is mm-hmm. when, when she says that Visera wants to be queen. I was like, Eamon's still alive at the point right. where she says Vicera wants to be queen. How the fuck would Visera be queen? Right. Because Aemon would be king. And Aemon right. is married to Jocelyn Baratheon. And they have a child. And they she have now a married child. And has, yeah. So how...
0: It's very... strange. agree. Yeah. I don't
1: know what that comment means. Like, that comment would only make sense if Vicera wanted to marry Balon after Aemon was dead. But that's not actually the order of events. That's not the timeline, yeah. It doesn't make sense. I and that, and, that, and, and I agree that, like, that line about, like, you're going to make a great king one day also doesn't make sense. That those two lines don't make
0: sense with other things in the story. Maybe she didn't say them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe like, they don't make sense because she didn't say them. Because that, the, particularly that succession line doesn't make sense. So maybe, yeah. Yep. So let's get into what the maester was thinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh th- Uh, the, the... <laughs> I, I, I can't even express... I can't, I don't even know how to express in, like, linear thought how upsetting it is that Jaharis, the way the maester is, is describing him, that Jaharis and the realm as a whole are so upset about Aemon's death when all of these other Targaryen princesses have died. Mm-hmm. And the only person who seemed really upset about those was Alicent. Uh-huh. Like, unless the bias is that the maester is not representing jaharis's grief over his daughters which is a potential it's you know it's potential that the maester is not talking about that because maybe the maester doesn't care because it's like whatever it's a princess um but it's also possible that jaharis very genuinely didn't have this like didn't have that strong grief reaction to his daughters that he had to his firstborn son or not really his firstborn son it was a secondborn son um so, I mean the 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 whole the misogyny lens is yep. heavy, heavy yep. and thick throughout yep. the section. Yeah,
1: and even like the descriptions of like we'll get into it, but like the description of of Vissera as like vain and like mm-hmm. the way that the text talks about the choices that she's making is is like just like steeped in misogyny. That the only yeah. like it's clearly like she's a beautiful woman who knows she's beautiful, and like. And yes, how dare she how dare, how dare she know that she's beautiful and act in ways that that like events that she knows that she's beautiful how dare mm-hmm. um right. women should be beautiful, but like um oh my god, I'm thinking of that dumb that song sorry that this that was that was a if you like it it's fine, but I'm thinking of that song where it's like you're beautiful and you don't know you're beautiful the like um wonder dire- oh the one direction the one direction, song? direction yeah. song like and
0: that's what makes you beautiful and that's what makes yeah. you
1: beautiful like that under patriarchy that is actually a part of it is like women should be beautiful but not aware of it because if they're aware of it then then they're probably either slutty or or they're you know vain or bitchy like then like then mm. you get a bunch of labels that are like you should be beautiful but act like you
0: don't know you are it, it's it's that like you should be beautiful and naive yes it's the uh-huh. naivete that is like that childishness that right. is easy to control,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: thus uh, valued by the patriarchy. Right, because
1: as soon as you know you're beautiful, then you can weaponize it under patriarchy. Mm-hmm. That means as soon as a woman knows she's beautiful, then she has power because she can right. use her knowledge of her own beauty to manipulate men.
0: Well, and also under under patriarchy, beauty gives you worth. Mm -hmm. so if you if under patriarchy you know you're beautiful then you know that you're worth something Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that self-awareness is a big no-no because that gives you the power yeah exactly you can advocate for what you want instead of having to marry like a 65 year old man
2: Mm
1: -hmm. exactly (laughs) for example hypothetically speaking if that were to happen if that were to happen uh (laughs) uh, we got some Uh. xenophobia we got we, we you know they're spicing up the racism and mm-hmm. it's not Dornish. It's just, like, anti-associ, which specifically the Marish, but, like, there's definitely clearly some xenophobia happening about, And like, anti,
0: anti-Lyceni as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the fact that Sarah is uh, is working in a pleasure house, but that particular pleasure house is in Lys. Yep. Or Lys or whatever. You know, that's also, like, the racism there is a part of that. Right. And know? even
1: wondering whether or not anything of what Jahara says is actually what would happen. is just, like, he's making mm-hmm. an assumption that, like, oh, yeah, they they just treat her like property, you know? Mm-hmm. Those Lyseni over there treating their women yep. like property, where, like, we happen to know that she ends up leaving Lys mm-hmm. and goes to Volantis, so, like, how much of property could she be if she's able to just, mm-hmm. like, pick up and leave and go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think that the, either the Maester or Jaharis can imagine that a woman that like a female sex worker has any kind of agency because Mm -hmm. in westeros they do not in westeros Mm -hmm. they are property Mm -hmm. um and so they're doing a bit of projecting and like about what places
0: are like elsewhere outside of
1: westeros in this chapter
0: i think there's also an angle there of of like a lens of fear almost of the concept that a woman could choose mm-hmm. to be a sex worker, that a woman could choose to use her sexual agency that way. Yep. As opposed to being, like, forced into it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, um, what was the name? Corianne Wilde, was yes. it? That we read about? You know, Corianne Wilde was, like, a sex worker, but, like, at some point, but, like, by force. Like, she had no other choice kind of thing, and so therefore it was, like, tragic and, like, what not to do, whatever. But Princess Sarah was literally a princess who had access to everything she wanted, and she chose to be a sex worker. And that must be so challenging to the Maester's point of view and also to Jaehaerys. And I could get why someone like Alisan would be more sympathetic because Alisan also had sexual agency in her life. She chose her sexual partner and seems to have had a good sexual relationship with him. She had 13 children. Mm-hmm. So she could recognize the ability of a woman to use sexual agency, whereas Jaehaerys and the Maester's point of view are just like what, how... How could you do this? This is right. this is unfathomable. Mm-hmm. This concept, yep.
1: And there are two others that we will get get into more in the analysis section. One of them is um, the way that it's so. This text is so uncomfortable with male grief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's much more comfortable talking about like frail, fragile women and their sad feelings, mm-hmm. and both the text itself and the male characters like don't know what to do with their grief. <clears throat> mm-hmm. under patriarchy because because surprise surprise <laughs> patriarchy sucks for everyone and one of the yep. ways that it sucks for men is that they cannot access emotions that are not anger mm-hmm. and we see this in our world as well like anger is an emotion that like women can't feel but like men 100 percent feel angry that should be your one feeling like if you have a feeling as a man <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. anger is the one you're allowed to feel and what's crazy is that i've seen this post online before so this is not an original thought Anger has somehow, under modern patriarchy, been branded as not an emotion. Yes. Uh huh. Because, like, women are emotional, but, like, men get angry and feel anger and violence. And, like, somehow that's not them being emotional. No. It's like, it's so interesting. It's like, anger uh-huh. is also an emotion. Right. It, right. It.
1: Right. But, 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 yes. And, like, putting anger into the domain of men. And not allowing women to feel it, it like you yeah, that like those things happen is like mm-hmm. well women feel emotions they they're not allowed to feel angry because anger is not an emotion, and like men are allowed to feel angry because anger is not an emotion, mm-hmm. like it allows right, anger exactly. to be the exclusive domain of men, um and this text is very uncomfortable with men having feelings that are not anger, and this is mm-hmm. one section where I think we get we get a peek into what that looks like um mm-hmm. after amon's death, um mm-hmm. that like. They can feel angry, but, like, it's, like, let's not
0: talk about all of the grief that everyone is feeling. Like,
1: it's
2: just kind
0: of yeah. slide right past that. And uh, it's, like, when grief is allowed, it's, like, about certain things. Like, okay, everyone was sad that Eamon died. Yeah. Everyone, the whole realm was sad about it. So Jaharis gets to be sad about it, too. Right. Yes, because yeah. everyone else is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, exactly. Uh, and then also the way that it, like, it
1: it is taking pains to, like, minimize... The conflict and disagreement between Harris and Aliceanne. Like, we've been kind of mm-hmm. talking about this throughout. That, like, they're talking about the first quarrel, and I'm like, first quarrel? Yeah, right. Buddy, like, this is not the. I mean, I guess if by quarrel you mean prolonged
0: separation, then correct, say, like, but. <laughs> like, temporary divorce. Yeah, that's what you mean. I mean, they were apart for a year. Yeah. Yeah. A year. They broke up for a year. They broke up for yeah. a year. But, like, this is... They were separated,
1: you know? Yeah. They were living literally living apart. Living yeah. not with each other for a year. And, like, sure, if that's what you mean by quarrel, then you are correct. But if what mm. you mean by quarrel is, like, s- disagreement over significant values, then you are wrong, sir. This mm-hmm. is, like, the fifth or sixth time that we have mm-hmm. seen this couple. But, like, he's taking such pains to minimize any tension between Harris and Alysanne and to like overly romanticize their relationship is like this is perfect mm. this is great They were just a couple bumps in the road you know the time where they lived apart for a year like yeah, no, no, no,
0: it's just a quarrel don't worry about it it's fine they reconciled they reconciled you know? and everything's fine he was busy anyway he was building his roads she was being sad on Dragonstone you know it, they're doing their man thing their woman thing it's Re- fine you know and if it's she's totally grieving good. her
1: children and he's on progress is that really a fight yeah,
0: exactly exactly <laughs> they just had different schedules their schedules didn't their schedules didn't align right right that was the problem mm-hmm. that was the problem and that's yeah. such a like pro-targ i was gonna say that's like a pro-targ propaganda thing that that Tar- the crown the crown is stable mm-hmm. because it is united even when it's clearly not united because when jaharis is on progress people start to notice alisanne's not with him
1: yeah and they start trying to be like hey do you want a different wife?" Hey, what about what
0: about this young daughter? Would you like this one? And he's like, I don't want he's like, I have a wife, I don't want any paramours. It's <laughs> like, okay, Jaharis, God. I am a staunch monogamist, okay? I have made this very clear. <laughs> Tell me you're a prude without telling me you you're a prude, Jaharis. God, we get it. We get it. You don't want a blow job from anybody else. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you want to build your roads. Oh fine. Not a problem, man. <laughs> Right. All right. So let's get into what really happened. What a great section for what really happened. <sighs> so much. So much. Okay. Can we talk about? Uh, let's see. Oh wait, you have it here. Aftermath of Sarah's escape. Okay. Let's start with. I thought we were starting with Sarah, but we could start with. Sarah. Well, that, well,
1: like that's the 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 first chunk of the section is about like mm-hmm. um what happened like because we ended last time with like Sarah escaping and then it starts mm-hmm. this section with like. Um, and this is just a little, little bit, a little bit of symbolism for you folks. We talked about—I can't May. remember which time it was—sometime <laughs> in the last couple of episodes. I talked about like the Gray King, like the Old King, yes. and so mm-hmm. here we get it with Jaharis. Um, the years had taken their toll on him, and those who knew him well said that he was never the same after his daughter Sarah had disgraced and then abandoned him. He had grown thinner, almost gaunt, and there was more gray than gold in his beard now and in his hair. For the first time, men were calling him the Old King. Rather than the conciliator, mm. this is that gray king. Like yeah. he's an aging monarch, like, mm-hmm. and he's like fifty, um, yeah, which is not super old. I guess old enough to get gray hair, but like the fact that he's like thin and gaunt, like he's like.
0: I wonder how much of this description is true, though. Like when we talk right. about like what really happened, I guess part of it is perspective. And I mean, all of it is perspective. It's like it's a theme. Um for how long people normally live in Westeros, mm-hmm. that, like, they they would see someone who's 50 and think of them as old. Right. And if we think about, like, our characters in A Song of Ice and Fire proper and their ages, like, they're very young. Daenerys starts the story at, like, 13. Mm-hmm. Sansa starts it at 11 or yep. 12. 11. Uh, 11. Jon Snow is made Lord Commander of the Night's Watch when he's 16. Yeah. You know, like, we're talking about putting very young people in very adult positions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So a 50-year-old person... would by perspective seem very old so i wonder how much of this is like actually true that he was in fact gaunt or frail or whatever versus how much it is that he just is so much older than everyone and they're not used to seeing right people of that age range yeah yeah and that's totally true this i was mostly talking on the symbolic level what martin
1: is doing like that martin is like applying Mm -hmm. all of the symbolism as the like a sign that like this is a A king that is kind of reaching the winter of his reign, like the the, like decline of his Mm -hmm. reign and kind of the like the failure of it. Like he's failing in health and vigor as the kind of like as Mm -hmm. the as his reign declines. What I thought was interesting is that it's specifically related to after Sarah disappears or like after Sarah leaves and thinking about like I don't know if Martin intends this, but I like the idea of like this is a symbolic sign of his failure as a father.
0: That, like, he's just
1: failing, like, he's failing visually, there are signs that he's failing in health. But, like, mm-hmm. how that
0: symbolically represents, like, the fa- his failures mm-hmm. as a parent. Yes. I, I, think it, I think it works on several levels. So I think that Martin is doing that symbolically, as you described. I think there's also a layer of point of view bias, where the mm-hmm. maester is doing this intentionally to... Right prepare us for the throne to pass yes you know to pr- because anytime you're talking about someone else taking over you're you know you're getting into like the transfer of power or whatever it could be kind of usurpy to start being like well the king you know the previous king's getting old and so we start to rely on the air more and we sort of think about the air more as like the true power kind of in a king aries rhaegar targaryen kind of mm-hmm. you know yeah. power dynamic uh it, it can get unstable when mm-hmm. the, the throne passes from one to the next person and I, I wonder if the description serves the symbolic purpose that Martin is going for, but also serves the maester to be like, it is time. Yeah! Ooh, I you like know, that a lot. You know, like, now it's time. He's old. He's grey. He's the old king. He, you know, he's not as hip with the kids as he used to be. He doesn't know mm-hmm. the people in his council. People around him are dying. <clears throat> They're getting replaced, right. and it's still okay. You know, the the, the council is becoming new. It's it's winter it's now that and then you use that winter symbology um both as like martin to the reader but also the maester to the reader yeah
1: you know what i mean right so i think yeah. it, it works on a lot of levels so i really like that, i like know? what you're saying yeah i really yeah. like what you're saying about the maester using essentially. that's really cool um yeah and I, I like this comment he was better with roads than than with daughters and i'm like yeah because uh, yeah. uh roads don't have opinions about how they yeah. want to live their life so like of course he's better with roads he can just mm-hmm. tell the roads where they should go, and the roads will go there. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> Rhodes don't have opinions. <laughs> no wonder he's better with roads. Um, but also that in this in this little brief section that we get before we get into Vicera, it says also about Alisande. Um, Alisande, shaken by all the losses they had suffered, withdrew more and more from the governance of the realm and seldom came to council meetings any longer.
0: yeah uh viewers you can see but gretchen's giving me a, a very what i would describe as incredulous face right yes
1: e- especially because a few pages later on page 331 when the king is on progress he's like don't worry balon um king's landing's gonna be fine in your hands and your mother's Hmm. but mm-hmm. but 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 maester but, Gildade, but she not i thought she counsel. wasn't doing this anymore yeah she retired remember I thought she retired. This is just like Alyssa. This is the like, oh yes, yeah. Alyssa retired and was never
0: heard from again. And I'm like, really? Did no. She's totally there. there. If there's anything Alisan is doing, it's running the fucking kingdom. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Then like the maester, of course, is like, this is grief. And I'm like, maybe, okay, a, I, I, I am skeptical about whether or not she's less involved in the governance of the realm. Two, mm-hmm. I am skeptical of the reason Mm-hmm. Is this grief, or is this also a sign of conflict between her and Jaehaerys? hmm Exactly. Especially because not, you know, only a couple of years later, like, is when Vicera dies, and then they, you know, are separated for a year, that I'm mm-hmm. looking back at this and going, maybe she's not coming to council meetings because she doesn't want to be in the same room as Jaehaerys. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Like, and I think I don't know. that would be great like to to estab- to, to adapt to screens. So we've talked sort of in the past about how as the two get older, Jaharis gets like more entrenched in this like patriarchy faith mm-hmm. kind of situation and Altan gets less so. Yep. And that's kind of coming to a head at this point where she's no longer in a position where she's having babies and uh she's, you know, seeing these things happen with her daughters and like wanting you know, wanting protections for them, wanting things for them, and ja- and she and Jarek are fighting more and more. I mean, as they have these more and more children, they have fights about um what's his name Vagon. Yeah, the one that became Vagon. Mm-hmm. They have fights about Daella. Mm-hmm. They have fights about Sarah, mm-hmm. and then they uh they don't have fights about Visera, but they like lose her in a very tragic way. And
1: yeah, and there is know. a bit of tension. There is a bit of tension there because um there's a point at which like Visera like. After Alysanne makes the decision to marry her off for Theomora, like, it says that Vicera went to her dad, and he was like, oh, no, 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 I, I am not involved in marriages, that's your mom's? Yeah. Uh, and I'm uh, like, excuse like, what me, what sir? What about Dayella?
0: What about fucking Dayella, <laughs> <What> about- Mr. <laughs> J? What the fuck?
1: <laughs> that was my same reaction, I was like, uh, what about
0: Dayella? You're, you, for years, you petitioned to have Dayella get married, what, like, oh, I don't get involved in marriages, that's, that's for the queen, like, uh-huh
1: and that to me just feels like maybe like that feels like it could potentially be a kind of response to like alisanne like being so upset about what happened with daiella that he's like oh Absolutely. okay i just i mm, i will no longer be involved in the marriage thing percent. Yep. Uh, hands off like talk to 100%. your mom about this
0: a hundred percent he the one time he got involved uh huh. The one time he it got involved, he fucked it up really fucking sideways. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, he said, "Never mind. Yeah. I'm not doing this again." Because uh, I'm sure she yelled at him. I'm sure when she got back, she like the conversation they had when she came back was her yelling at him. Mm-hmm. And probably, I mean, I could even see Allison at that point being like, "You stay out of this." Yeah. Like I will take care of our children, our remaining children, and what happens to them. Because we don't ever hear anything about him being like Princess Gail needs to be married. Nope. Like, nope. Right, yep. and we talked about in in the last episode that like he, that like
1: he was not pushing for Sarah to get married, either. Mm-hmm. That like suddenly he went from like pushing so heavily for like Vagon and Dylah to either marry each other or marry someone else, and mm-hmm. both of those things just like work out, do not work out, mm-hmm. and then suddenly with Sarah, it's like she's like fifteen, sixteen, and like no, there has been no whisper of Sarah getting married, mm-hmm. um, until you know they find out that she's been having sex consensually Mm -hmm. with her teenage friends um and yeah that like it it does feel like it that like Alison gave him a very stern talking to about like stay the fuck out of the marriage thing that's my job and so Mm -hmm. um and it comes up here where he's just like nope 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 i don't do that anymore
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) oh i love (laughs) it um so yeah there's even
1: tension there Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely and then there's, and then, so then Viserra happened. So you want to talk about Viserra?
1: Oh, <sighs> Visera, Viserra.
0: I, I, my primary question, Visera, is why, why the marriage? Yeah. Why this particular, that, I don't get it. And I, I would love to hear what you think about it. Cause I don't, I don't get the match. I really don't. I don't either. Um, cause it's not like White Harbor was like needed to be wooed.
1: Uh-huh. Like Theomar Manderly
0: already loved Alison. Like right. when she went there years ago, he she had charmed him. They had a good relationship with White Harbor. There was no indication that there was a problem. White Harbor isn't because they say it's to like bring the North more into the fold, but like White Harbor isn't really North enough to bring the North into the fold. Yeah, if you know? I Yeah, I feel like there the text doesn't give us
1: that's the only reason the text gives us, right? Is like Right. It's for for to unify the kingdom. Um If I were to script this to, if I were to adapt this to screen I would the only other thing that I can think of is that it's somehow about an attempt to like tame vice Sarah's instincts towards like in the same way so like not exactly the same but in the same way that like when Daiella was getting married they're like let's just find her some like nice sweet man who will take care of her Right. that like Alison is thinking along similar lines of like Vicera is um, kind of spicy. Like she, mm-hmm. you know, like she's beautiful. She likes to goad. Seemingly, according to the text, she like goads men into like doing dumb shit for her, mm-hmm. um, which is like, okay, teenage boys. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> it's
1: not hard to go to teenage boy to go to teenage boy into doing a dumb thing, um, mm-hmm. especially if a pretty girl is involved. Um, mm-hmm. but she likes to do that. That maybe she's thinking like, okay, the best thing for Visera is like a dude that cannot be goaded into doing mm-hmm. dumb shit for her. Mm-hmm. Um So but like that's the only thing you can think of. But I ha but in order to get there, I have to explain away you have to find an explanation for like why not Balon.
0: Right. Because Balon would also satisfy that.
1: Right. Yeah. Like
0: really any older man would satisfy that because like, right. like goading something was like a very immature kind of thing so any like 30 plus year old man would would satisfy that right <sighs> the other thing that makes me c- concerned about it is we know that manderley had four previous wives the text does not tell us about his heirs but assumedly he had four previous wives and there are heirs already involved which means if he marries Visera and she has any children they're not even in line to inherit white harbor no we know he so has a couple even, of daughters but i don't know about sons yeah so we we don't even know we don't even have something that's like well this is a way to like more or less put a targaryen in white harbor eventually like that right. there's that's not even really secure because he has he must have some previous children if he had no previous children i think the text would say so right
1: right um yeah yeah And I mean we know that he like we, we do so actually she- know he has some daughters yeah um yes, because you're, they're you're mentioned right it, earlier yeah. in the text but we don't know if he has any sons. But yeah, like, the only thing I think of is, like, I mean, he's an older dude. He's really, he's not going to be goaded into dumb shit. Um, Maybe Alysanne wants to get Visera away from court because of, you know, like, wants to, like, send her know. to a place where I- it's
0: less likely to happen. But, like, like, I have to just make this up because I have no, like, this doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I wonder? I wonder if it doesn't make any sense because it wasn't, all right, maybe it wasn't something... Alison actually intended to go through. In the same way with Dayella, she kept pairing Dayela with people she knew weren't going to vibe with Dayela. Oh. Maybe she assumed, maybe she thought, like, I know my, my kid. I know Theomore Manderly. And once they meet, is going to say, no, fuck this. But I know Theomore well enough that when, she, if she spurns him, he's not going to be, like, pissy about it. Oh, he's I gonna, like that get idea. It. That this is you a know? way
1: to, like get Visera to like kind of shake Visera into a more mature attitude about being it like
0: or or even just delay it because she's 15 yep so it could be the kind of thing where it's like you know maybe Alison's putting on the airs of like trying to get her wed, but like expect because like like apparently this death happens like the night before she's supposed to leave for white harbor uh-huh but like what's the likelihood that Visera was going to have One last night of fun, as the text says, and then go to White Harbor and completely change her personality and be like a submissive wife. wife. Zero. There was 0% chance of that happening. I I imagine if Viseria hadn't made it to White Harbor, I don't think she ever would have successfully married Theomor Manderly. Yeah. You know? So, and she would have rejected him in some fashion or broken the Like, there would have been something where she would have come back. And so maybe it's a way for Alysanne, like, maybe she thinks she's doing the same thing that she did with Ayala
1: yeah you know Uh
0: uh-huh because the match does not make sense to me otherwise
1: yeah right yeah because okay so let's talk about how much older he is because this is part of this right Mm -hmm. that like it's funny to me that the text says the thing about like prince balon was 14 years older than vicera 29 to her 15 but older lords had married younger maids as well she knew and i was like you making it sound like the age gap is a problem there Mm mm-hmm but More Manderly, okay, let's let's do some math, folks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In 55 AC, when Anne is pregnant with Eamon, her firstborn child, 55 AC,
2: mm-hmm. she's
1: 19. Theomore okay. has a daughter that is old enough to be companion to the queen. In hmm. 55 AC. Because his daughter Mara is sent to be a companion to the queen when she's pregnant. At okay, 19, so... Which means, like... Which means she's probably older than, like, 14. She might. She so, doesn't have yeah. to be 19, but she could be, like, 15 to 19. He's got a teenage daughter.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: In 55 AC. Right. Which means that he's, I mean, let's be generous and say he was 16 years old when he fathered this teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. That's just, like...
0: So he, he's 30-ish.
1: He's early 30s. Generously. Generously. Being very generous. Assuming mm. that he got married when he was very young as a teenager and had a baby mm. right away. And his wife had a baby right away who is about 16 years old. He's early 30s. Mm. Early 30s and 55 AC. This is 30 years later. 55 AC to 86 AC. 30 is years he later. Older
0: than, is he older than Jaharis? He's
1: older than Jaharis. This man is in his mid-60s. At yeah. least mid-60s. At the hmm. youngest he could possibly be, he's like 64 or 65.
0: Hmm. This is why I was saying, oh I think if if he's that, if, maybe she didn't mean for it to actually go through. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. You know,
0: maybe she thought that it was like, it wasn't something that was actually going to come to fruition. Right.
1: Right. Like, maybe some kind of a, like, not, like, a threat, but a, like, Viserys, is this really what you want? Like, do you Mm -hmm. you really want to marry this old man? Like, it could be that. It could be a, like, well, we know that, like, we all know that this isn't going to work, so, like, but this will be a placeholder until we find someone more suitable, just Mm -hmm. so that we can put on, like, a a show that we're engaging you know that we're trying to marry mm. off our 15 year old because this seems to be about the age when targaryen daughters are married off has been yeah has mid-teens
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i like that option the only other option i can think of is something along the lines of like this was meant to like tame viscera's impulses
0: to be like mm-hmm. but Vasera doesn't have bad enough impulses like like if if, if Alison was okay with sarah's impulses I don't see her being like. visera must be wed right away, otherwise, the worst thing's gonna happen, you know. And they, they, they don't seem to have that same concern for for hmm So it's very interesting. Yeah,
1: right. Because like the worst thing that she does is like literally just like goad boys into doing dumb shit. And right, exactly. But but of course, the Maester talks about it like it's this like, what a what a vain you know because
0: she's controlling men around her right that's that's spooky that's spooky scary that's That's spooky spooky, scary scary. shit right
1: because i was sitting there and i was thinking okay but like what if this was a prince who was like goading his friends right exactly because like none of the stuff that she goes them into
0: is like bad things it's like um and they don't do the most dangerous stuff either like she wants them to like put their heads in a dragon's mouth but like they were never going to actually get anywhere yeah, they were she's dragon like to daring put, you know. them
1: to swim the black Rodder rush or climbing the tower of a hand or setting all the ravens free like
2: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah like all of this is stuff that like if boys were doing this to each other i'd be like oh look at those boys just daring each other to be masculine but because mm. a woman is doing it it's like oops spooky scary she's controlling the boys
0: i bet you anything both aemon and balon did this shit yes as teenagers
1: 100%. I'm sure they did.
0: <laughs> we just don't know about it because it doesn't matter because they're boys.
1: Right. And there's also like the other thing that struck me as funny is like this is the kind of thing that could be romanticized into a song under patriarchy of like the mm. daring feats that men will do to win the love of a beautiful maiden. Like, But but of course it's well, a problem it's, when she's daring them to do it and I was gonna they're not probably doing it. To- <laughs>
0: It's a problem because she's making the challenge, you know, if she was trapped in a tower somewhere and had to be rescued and they were choosing it, they would that would be fine. But if she's creating the game uh-huh. that they're playing, it's a problem. <laughs> right, because
1: on paper it's like, oh, this isn't stuff that songs are written about,
0: but because
1: mm. she has power. That's a good point.
0: I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point. The maester is just so afraid of women. So afraid so, of women having so power. So terrified of women power. I mean, that's the patriarchy too. It's not just the maester, right? Mm-hmm. The, the patriarchy as a system in this universe and in our universe is terrified of women having power. Right. And that's why you see her reacting this way whenever that happens.
1: Right. And the same goes for that line, which I think that like we can talk about now is when supposedly Alysanne says she wants to be queen. Mm-hmm. Like, according to this, like...
0: A- yeah, the more I think about it, the less I think Alicent Yeah, that.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, she wants to marry Balon, um, and not for love of him, she wants to be the queen. A, why is that a problem? Why is it a mm-hmm. problem if a girl wants to be queen? Is that not what every woman in Westeros would
0: aspire to? Every woman in Westeros is groomed socially. Every, like, highborn woman is groomed to want to be queen. Like, Sansa That's-
1: explicitly... Once she's engaged mm-hmm. to Joffrey is like, well, this is everything you should want. This is this is this is the height this is the peak of womanhood in mm-hmm. Westeros is to like marry the king and have his babies. Be the mother to kings. Yeah. Be the queen. So A, yeah. why is this a problem that Visera would want it? B mm-hmm. why the fuck would Alassane say this? Which I mm-hmm. think is like ultimately where you and I land. I like that that like I don't believe that she said that. Because at this point, yeah. Visera would not be queen. Aemon is still alive and
0: has a living wife. If Visera marries Balon, she's not the queen. It's the kind of retcon quote that a maester could make up Uh knowing that Balon becomes king, Mm -hmm. but not realizing that he's put it in the wrong order. Right, right. Or, alternatively, it's the kind of quote that George R. R. Martin could put in there by accident and not realize that he put in the wrong order. Not,
1: yeah, right. Like, we don't know. <laughs> there,
0: there is also a doilist explanation.
1: <laughs> yes, there could possibly be a doilist explanation. Um, but I like the idea that the maester made this up to make Vicerra look bad. Yes. Like, knowing what happens to her, knowing how mm-hmm. her story goes, it's like, ah, oh, yes, we should have known all along, because she's a vain pretty woman who just wants power. And those are spooky, yep. scary women under Patriarchy.
0: I wonder if this is a foreshadowing of Rhaenyra. Yes. Yes. She just wants to be queen. Yep. Because Rhaenyra, when she's young, is described as quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't become not beautiful until she becomes evil in the text, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole... I mean, she, in the TV show House of the Dragon, they say mention she's um the realm's delight that's what mm-hmm. she's called when she's younger because everyone's like oh the beautiful wonderful targaryen princess and what happens i mean Vise- uh, Visera is a, like a precursor to that she's a young beautiful targaryen princess who wants power mm-hmm. and that's a bad thing that's very bad right and very very bad right here by this maester so I- i'm wondering if like that Depiction of her by him is, again, prepping the reader for what they are going to see in the dance. Right. Yeah. Right. Also,
1: I just had a thought. Just had a thought. Mm-hmm. I like this. So, I liked what you were saying that like that that the um, it was never supposed to work out with Theomar That like that mm-hmm. was, that it's some kind of like, um, like it's a legit engagement, but it was net like that like Allison never intended it to work. Mm-hmm. What if? This was meant to be a placeholder until Balon was ready. Maybe. Because I also yeah. cannot get... I don't understand why she's so against Bal- the marriage to Balon. Like, I just... Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me at mm-hmm. all. Like, this is actually, in fact, is this not, like, perfect? Like, this this should be, like, the... That idea. he gets to
0: marry two sisters and gets to have children by both sisters? hmm Right. Right, and like in a perfectly legit, not not you know polyamorous kind of way, like in a perfectly yes. like monogamous kind of way, exactly. like an acceptable monogamous kind of way, right,
1: mm. right, and yes. potentially have more. We all know that pure blood is bullshit, but like pure mm. Targaryen, like children
0: around, yeah, uh, around. I and I wonder. I mean, I oh, I like that a lot. I I kind of would. I could imagine that happening if, you know, I imagine Alicent's relatively close to her. Children, the particularly the older children. Mm-hmm. Um, if Balon is still like in deep mourning, yep, for Alyssa, yep, because they seem to have genuinely been very in love yes, with each other. They do. So if he is still in deep mourning for Alyssa, and Alisande sees that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she's like, "This is like her son who's mourning his wife, and the wife that was her daughter, so she's also mourning." Like it's gonna take more than two years. You don't just get over that, uh, you know, right. overnight. Uh-huh. Um. And maybe she's trying to be respectful of the fact that, like, he is still in mourning. And she's like, there's no rush because Viserys is only 15. Yep. He's not even 30 yet. Like, we can give it a few more years and then maybe he'll change his mind, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And
1: in the meantime, meantime, I will engage my 15-year-old daughter to this, like, super old guy that, like, it's mm -hmm. probably not going to work out with.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Who's not going to get offended. Right. You know, he's close enough to the crown and close enough to me that if, you know, whenever Viserys, like, spurns him, uh, you know, he's not going to, like, raise his banners against us or any, you know, he'll, he'll be like, whatever, I had four wives already, you know? Right.
1: right. Uh, or maybe the marriage will go through, but he dies soon. He's an old man. And then, you know, like, mm-hmm. maybe by that point, Balon
0: will be ready and you could
1: marry them together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. Yeah, I like that. That 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 ties it up for me. What you're saying there about this also being related to Balon. Right. I, that makes more sense to me as a as a Alysanne marriage scheme. Right. Yeah, because yeah.
1: because I just like reading this text, I'm like, why why would Alisande be against this? This doesn't make any sense for mm-hmm. Alisande to like just to have the like to, the quote that like not just the part of the quote where it's like she wants to be queen, but like mm-hmm. the way that he has Alisande saying like um you know vicera aims higher i've seen the way she preens and prances around balon that is the husband she desires and i'm like what a judgy thing to say about your daughter right exactly like and it doesn't sound like alisanne to be like oh she's
0: just trying to marry her older brother and i'm like you're yeah you did fine with this actually you did You're right exactly yeah that's it's actually really interesting that I like, I like that. Mm-hmm. I think if they were... if To adapt it to screen, that would be the way to do it. Right. That, that would make sense.
1: Right. That it was a just like, Balon's not ready. Sarah might be slightly too young for this. Let's give them both some time. Let's... Especially mm-hmm. Balon some time to like overcome his grief. And then maybe when that's done, he will look to his... sister To his... Th- this beautiful younger sister that he has
0: as mm-hmm. a potential
1: wife. But like we need to give him more time to grieve before yeah. we do that. But we also have to be seen as trying like mm-hmm. under the the patriarchal pressures to marry and these kids off she has to be seen I mean, as trying
0: maybe allison also wanted to give him some distance from her right because like like imagine if the following played out viscera goes to white harper she does in fact marry lord manderley they're married for two three four years he dies because he's very old mm-hmm. she maybe maybe does or does not have children by him doesn't matter she comes back to court after that, mm-hmm. and now instead of his like fifteen year old annoying sister, she's his nineteen, twenty year old beautiful adult, mm-hmm. you know, sexually available sister. Right. Still weird. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Still weird, weird to say but that. but Targaryen, and you know, and like sort of like the distance and the time, uh-huh. you know, making her a, a more suitable adult partner for him. Right. As opposed to, like, his kid sister who he barely knows.
1: And and feel less... Pre- I like that. And also to feel less pressured. But, like... Mm-hmm. I could imagine Alison not wanting Balon to know that she's holding by Sarah in reserve because that would create yeah. pressure to, like, you know... It's
0: kind of similar to In House of the Dragon when, like, Damon goes away for a few years to the Stepstones. uh uh-huh. And when he comes back, like, he was already trying to fuck his sexy little 14-year-old niece. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh-huh. But when he comes back, she's 16 or 17, uh-huh. and so she's a, a more suitable sexual partner uh-huh. at that point. Yep. And then, even later on, after they've both been married and they're both, um, you know, she's, like, well into her 20s, that when they finally do get married in House of the Dragon, she's very much an appropriate sexual partner for him, because she's, like, full-on an adult at that point. Yep. Um, and it's still weird, because it's incest and age gaps and whatever, but it's it's that same kind of, like, it's that thing we talked about in for the the Jane Austen book Emma, yeah, the, like, like watching the child, ugh, watching yep. the child grow into an adult. I I hate it so much, but that's what's happening. Uh-huh. That's my point. Yep, yep, yeah. Um. So, what do you think about the drunk night?
1: So, like, the, the, I part of what I like about this also is the tragedy that like Vicera's response is because she doesn't know. Right. That like this, that this all happened. She's not included in the she's scheme. She's not yeah. included in the scheme. And so in her brain, she's like, I am being married off to this old dude. This is the end of my life. What the fuck?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so her reaction is like tra like deeply like more tragic because like there is a plan in place that is ultimately her getting what she wants, but like
2: mm-hmm. she's not
1: included. And so this is like the tragedy is that like her yeah. reaction is because like Alison didn't sit her down and be like, "Okay, sweetie, here's
0: how things are gonna go." I think the the her, the way she died I see more as a Doyleist issue than a Watsonian one, in mm-hmm. the sense that Martin was running out of ways to kill these kids because <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> he did disease, he did childbirth for two of them. He did he got a you know? War in there. He got a war in there. Um, very mild spoiler because you know Balon's gonna die. Balon dies from appendicitis so it's like we don't you know he's running out of ways to kill these kids uh so like an accident mm-hmm. is the way some people die right and basically what she got into was a car accident yeah, the equivalent, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. she was drinking and driving drink, drinking and driving I, on its face in the text the way the text is written i don't think it has that much meaning um it's just kind of an accident that happened right uh with our reading of it, it has more of a tragic element, right. I think. Um, but if you were going for that kind of tragedy, it could have, you know, We I think there's other ways you could do her death. Like, her ship could have foundered on the way to White Harbor. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And that could be tragic and ironic in its own way. Yeah. You know? Um, maybe... Before she gets on the ship, she's, like, given a choice by one of her squires. And he's like, run away with me. We'll go see the cinnamon ships in Dorne, you know, like, a la Kristen Cole. Um, we could go look at some uh, some oranges and spices. Come on. <laughs> and may- maybe she says, no, I can't. I have to go do my duty. Uh-huh. And she gets on the ship and the ship sinks. You know, like, there's, a- there's all different ways you could write it to make it dramatic like that. I, I honestly, when did this book come out? It came out 2020? 20? I forget now.
1: Other than that, I think. Um, let me just double check this. Because
0: there's actually, I think there's... 2018. 2018? Okay. Uh, not that George R. R. got this story from this other source, but there's a remarkably similar story uh, that was a real story that was on Dr. Phil back in the day. (laughs) Uh, I used to watch Oprah and Dr. Phil with my mom like every day when I came home from school. Uh (laughs) It was like a ritual. Um, there was a Dr. Phil episode, it must have been back in the early 2000s, about, it was like a don't drink and drive thing, Right. and it was about kids out on a prom night, and they went to their prom, and they were they were drinking, and they were driving home, and they decided to race, yep. and the boy driving turned, like, turned his car in such a way that it, like, I don't know, it, it, like, lost control of it, more or less. The two cars lost control, they crash, and his his prom date died, the girl died. And she died because she was thrown from her car and she impacted like a wall of a tunnel and broke her neck. George, when did I... you steal this from
1: Dr. Phil, George? <laughs> I would actually love if he stole this from Dr. Phil.
0: It, it has so many similarities. Uh-huh. Like the very first time I read this, I was like, I, that was an episode of Dr. Phil. Oh. That I, I remember this.
1: I love that. I, I remember. I, I, I have never watched Dr. Phil. Totally went by me, Don't. but I really okay. Now that you've said that, I really want this to be Doctor Phil. You know, like like George sprinkles those little things in there, like you know, you have like Elmo Tully and Grover Tully. Yeah. Like he's got like some funny pop culture references. I would kind mm-hmm. of love if this is another one of those like kind of random
0: pop culture references. It could have just been that he he like looked up like car accidents with teenagers because it's like the point of that. I mean, it was a very tragic story in real life because a real person died, you know, and these children were injured. But the point of that episode was, you know, warnings, like, it was around, I remember it aired, I think, around, like, prom time. But the point of that episode was, like, don't, like, don't drink and drive and, like, be careful. Like, there's a reason, there's a drinking age. And, Uh uh, you know, people every year, teenagers die on prom night from a variety of things Mm -hmm. because they go out unsupervised and do shit that they shouldn't. Right, So it was kind of like that kind of warning. And this is exactly what happened with Viserys. She went out for her bachelorette party or for her prom night or whatever it was for her party. And she did a bunch of really reckless things. And she died. Yep. And just the, 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 the description of how the horse accident happened is so similar to I remember. And I remember that story from Dr. Phil because it was very impactful to me as a kid. I was like, this is why drinking is bad. Uh-huh. and no, no drinking. I was not a cool kid at prom night. Uh, <laughs> that was not me after my prom we all went down to wildwood which is a beach in jersey uh where where we all stayed in like a shitty motel and i'm i'm sure in retrospect now all my friends were having sex all weekend i was out on the beach building sand castles so that was what i did yes on my prom weekend yep
1: yep (laughs) um i didn't do any of those things i went to prom and then probably made out with the person that i was with and then went home i did not do anything risky
0: um, I don't think I even made out with the person I was with I think I, I said that's nice I'll see you later I'm gonna go build a sand castle now
1: well I <laughs> only went to prom with people I was dating so that was probably why I made out with them like my, my junior mm-hmm. my junior and senior prom I both went with my, my boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. um, Uh. but yeah so one more question like we're kind of like I know we want to move on do you think the drunk night do you think that she showed up naked and got drunk in Balon's bed this is one of this is like a oh. palace rumor. Do you mm. think that happened? Or if you were adopting it to scream, would you do would you include that? Because he literally says, like, if court gossip can be believed, this is what happened right before she went out and got drunk with her friends. Was that like she went to Balon's bed, got mm. naked, drank a bunch of his wine and then was basically like, fuck me. Hmm. Like, marry me instead of, like, last-ditch effort to get to, like, not marry Thea Moore Manderly was, like,
0: Hmm. trying to seduce her older brother. And then kind of, like, her going out after that was sort of a la Rhaenyra trying to fuck Damon, getting blue balls and then going and fucking Kristen Cole. Yep. Yep. I, there was actually some, like, yeah. like, a lot of
1: similarities between that paragraph yeah. that describes what she and her friends did. And it was like one of her friends wanted to show her, like, the street of silk and all the things. I was yeah. like, oh, like
0: Damon and Vadira. We did it. We did this. So I've seen this on screen. Um, hum. I don't have strong feelings about it either way. I think it, on screen it would depend how you characterize Visera. Mm-hmm. And, um, I could see it working in a way that wasn't, like, slut shamey, but, like, like, genuinely she thought, like, this is. Like I'm, I'm so beautiful. This is how I'll get him, mm-hmm. and how I won't have to leave. Like a, a kind of a desperation sort of thing. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could see it happening. Yeah. And it, it adds a layer of Balon feeling responsible mm-hmm. when she dies, right? For, for what he did, and adding to that tragedy, I think.
1: Yeah, the fact that Balon feels responsible in part for her death makes me think that something happened. Something mm. happened that night. Um I feel like that, like, of course she got naked and drunk is a bit of a, like...
0: Yeah, that's not necessary for that to happen. uh, Yeah, I'm not sure it's necessary. Like, she could have just
1: gone to his room and, like, begged him. Right. Or gone to his room and been, like... And Lauren maybe not even begged him, but she could have... Like, she definitely could have gone to his room and they had an interaction in which he was, like, thanks, but no thanks. Like, Mm -hmm. I am not interested. And then she goes out. But it doesn't have to be that she, like... Mm -hmm strips naked and drinks all of his wine and is like drunk and naked in bed and is like
0: right. fuck me my brother like yeah I mean it could even be really interesting if you characterize Balon appropriately as having been very in love with Alyssa mm-hmm, and still mm-hmm. in mourning yep. if he like comes into his bedchamber and he sees like a woman lying on the side of the bed that Alyssa used to lie on yeah and it's viscera and him being enraged by that like upset like grief stricken But also like enraged by kind of like a like how dare you, you know? Oh oh my god!
1: I love the idea that he walks in and sees a woman in his bed and has a moment of going, "Is that is that my wife?" And then it and then it turns out, oh oh, that'd be so good. Oh, that'd be painful. Oh yes,
0: please, yeah, yeah, but hurt me, please, (laughs) hurt me. I love (laughs) suffering. Oh, I but love that. But I think that, because that. that could explain, because the text says that he he feels he shouldn't have spoken as harshly to her, I think is the language yeah. the text uses on the long And I could see him kind of losing his cool yes. at that. Uh,
1: like, because, how, like, how
0: dare you? Because we were talking about how, like, the tech like, men don't know how to deal, deal with grief in this universe. Yep. And I could see him, like, his response being anger. Yeah. Because he's seeing what he used to see yeah. with the love of his life. And... Like that moment of being tricked almost, uh-huh. and then the invasion of her space that like someone would dare come mm-hmm. into the space that was alyssa's that's kind of like the sacred space now, yeah, and then for visera to offer to be his wife and be like, you know, now we should be a couple, and he's so like in deep mourning for right. his for for alyssa i I think that would explain him sort of like not even hearing her, uh-huh, yep, you know. Because yep. Balon should also know that this is a good political match.
1: Right. Yes, he should. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. And even all it would take would be Vicera just being there and that moment of like, is that my wife? Maybe she's back and then mm-hmm. not. But we also, but like, Vicera might have said some things about, you know, she could, she's 15. Yeah. There are some things that she could say that would be deeply painful to a man mm-hmm. who does not know how to manage his grief.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. That would, she said some shit about Alyssa being ugly or something. Yeah,
1: Ooh. right? Or Ooh. like, you know, like, I'm... I'm
0: more beautiful than she is. She ever was. Don't you want me?
1: Like, yes. Like, she could accidentally mm-hmm. say some deeply painful things to this man who's clearly still in mourning. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that idea that, like, this was just a, like, a grief response that he, like, didn't know how to... Ma- that he reacted in anger. And, mm-hmm. and then she responds with like fine i guess i'll go out and get drunk you like i guess i will like go get drunk with my friends and have one last party before i go before i'm basically exiled to marry this old man
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah and i think you could you could do something really interesting on screen um i hadn't really thought about characterizing Baylon very much until now but i like this uh mm-hmm. you could do something really interesting on screen if like you did an episode that contained the story for example you could show balon maybe like having a dream at the beginning of the episode of Alyssa being in bed with him and then kind of cap the episode with the scene of him coming back and there being a woman there and him like having that moment of like whoa you know because that would kind of I think that would explain it it would kind of be hard for the viewer to get that without a a visual Mm -hmm. of what he could be thinking later yeah yeah I, I think that that would be how I would do it yeah Ooh. oh if someone gave me many millions of dollars to make a television yeah, show. Yeah, someone, like
1: <laughs> HBO, please.
0: HBO, please. <laughs> HBO, we have so many ideas. <laughs> we
1: please can make email. a show about Jaharis and Allison.
0: <laughs> I'll do it for free, please. <laughs>
1: um, speaking of Jaharis and Allison, how they react to the death of the, the latest death of their child. Um... Uh,
0: does jaharis know he has daughters i don't fucking know the man i I, (sighs) yeah i don't know what do you what do you think i i can't with jaharis
1: um so one of the things i thought of in this in this section where like alisanne is just utterly bereft because she's lost yet another of her daughters and Mm -hmm. children um is cat after um after ned's death so when after Mm -hmm. ned dies and rob like and she's kind of lost Arya and sansa because Arya is missing and sansa is being held captive in the capital as a political mm-hmm. prisoner um mm-hmm. that like cats like just let me go home to my babies i just yeah. want to go home to my babies like that like this characterization of alisanne feels very similar of like taking yeah. solace with the living children that she has that like as a response mm-hmm. to grief is just like let me just like Maybe not even entirely healthily. I have some, like, feelings that that the relationship between Allison and Gail might be mildly codependent. Mm -hmm.
2: The way that it says that
1: Gail, like, is her constant shadow and, like, even sleeps in her bed with her. Like, a part of me is like, that's really sweet. And then a part of me is like, "Ah, I don't know Mm -hmm. that a mother-daughter should have, like, that feels kind of enmeshed
0: in a way that's, like, not entirely healthy. But I get it because... Because Jaharis is not helping Allison at all. <laughs> Right. I think that's also. I think that is definitely codependent. I think part of it is Gail is the is the only Targaryen princess or the only Targaryen child uh-huh. that is actually de- described as quote somewhat simple minded. Yeah. Which, if that made it to text, then I th- I think we can pretty much all be certain that Gail had some. Again, I don't know exactly what to mm-hmm. describe it as because we don't have enough in the text, but some kind of mental disability or something along those lines
1: especially because Um, her mom was in her 40s and like those mm -hmm. kinds of disabilities are significantly more like your chance the chance for having Mm -hmm. a child with some kind of either delay or disability Mm -hmm. of that kind dramatically increases after the age of 36 and especially as you get into your 40s yep um yep that's just unfortunately the way that the genetics break down and it's and it's Mm -hmm. and it is not just because of female fertility; is also about, incre- you know, like age of the sperm. Age of the sperm. Yeah, as a man yeah. gets older, the sperm is more likely to have errors in it. The the DNA mm-hmm. that that becomes the little zygote is most likely is more likely to have errors in it, and you get,
0: mm-hmm. um, you get disabilities like this. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think also Allison's reaction makes sense. I mean, when people mm-hmm. die in a family. Families come together, you know. Yeah. Families get people get closer. Uh, particularly like losing kids. I mean, this poor woman has lost so many children. Just and she loses three within five years because mm-hmm. it's uh, Day uh, Alyssa Dayella and Visera yeah. within a five year period. Yep. And just like one after the other after the other. It's like mm-hmm. Jesus, you know. And these aren't like infant mortality is also really sad. And she's lost a lot of pa- babies in the cradle. uh, these are children that were, like, she spent decades with, yeah. or, like, many, like, a long time mm-hmm. with. These are, like, full of... I mean, Alyssa was in her 20s. Yep. That's, like, a full adult person that you've had in your life for 20-plus years. You've known since their literal birth, you were there. You were the one giving birth to them, and now they're dead. I mean, these are, like, mm-hmm. any one of these deaths could be like a life-ruining yep event yep and three and of them in five one years after the other after the other over and over you know
1: mm-hmm. and it makes sense also that she would want to reconnect with sarah like this is a very mm-hmm. very normal response to tragedy is like when you've especially when you've lost any child much less three like you said three children mm-hmm. in five years to be like Okay, but, like, is what happened with Sarah really that big of a deal? Do I really, like, do I really want to hold on to that bitterness and resentment? And hasn't she been punished enough? I just want, I just want my living children Mm -hmm. around me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it makes sense that she's like, can I make that happen? And then she goes to Jaharis, and he's like, fuck no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's like, fucking, she's a slut and we can't have that anywhere near us because vaginas are frightening. Right
1: right um, and like the tension like the the tension here just want to point out that like it says that jaharis forbid um like um it says though jaharis had forbidden it Alisan had defied his edict and secretly engaged agents to keep watch over her wayward child across the narrow sea like this mm-hmm. again is one of those signs this is not like A marriage that's in full accord. They're perfectly happy except for the few times we see them openly fight. Like, Mm -hmm. he literally was like, it is illegal, illegal Mm -hmm. to know anything about what is happening with Sarah at all for anyone. And Alison's like, right, but I'm going to do it, though.
0: Alison's like, it's not illegal for me. (laughs) Just (laughs) fucking stop me, Jaehaerys. Yeah, what what are you going to fucking do, huh? I mean, and that's true. What's he going to do? Right. Which, which... I mean, he knows. He knows he can't control her, which is the best part of this. Right, which
1: is why <laughs> it makes sense that his response in the next page is when he's like, okay, look, I know I've told you no, and I know that you're going to want to do it anyway. Because yeah. he literally had been telling her no, and she was like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going right, to do it. exactly.
0: <laughs> um, I I wonder with the death of Sarah. So when it comes to J. Harris's reactions mm-hmm. to his daughter's, his various daughter's deaths. Right. I wonder how much of it is that he, you know, genuinely didn't have reactions or like didn't really feel grief because they were daughters and like the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Versus I wonder how much of it is just that the, the maester was not about to write on page. yeah how sad the king was
1: right right or you even know? if jaharis was able to express great visible grief about the death of a right. daughter under patriarchy which like doesn't mm. value daughters
0: right so I, I just i wonder like i don't know i just you know what it is because we have later targaryens like viserys who like loves his wife and loves his daughter mm. so much and like if Rhaenyra had died, you know Viserys would have been absolutely just like destroyed, yeah. right? Yeah. But like I wonder how a maester would have written about that because like do we we don't have I'm trying to think we don't have any examples in the text of men whose daughters die and they're really sad about it in this text. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. like I can't think of anybody who has like, and then the daughter died, and, and he was bereft.
2: Yeah,
0: Alisan, every kid that dies, she's you know totally distraught. But even the the only male children that have died to them so far have been the babies. Babies, yeah. And even those babies, Jaharis hasn't been given the space to be
1: Mm-mm.
0: upset about a baby. Well, babies are women's things. Mm-hmm. Men don't talk about babies. You know, right? Uh, it's it's not until Amon dies that Jaharis is given space on page to mourn. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I wonder if it's fair to assume that Jeharris didn't care about his daughters, or if it's really a combination of his patriarchy brain not valuing them as much as his sons, yep. which I think is, is definitely present, but also on top of that, the maester not val- valuing them that much, and him not being able to express grief... Yep. You know, it's like a combination of all those things. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I yeah. totally
1: agree. Yeah, that like we can't we can't actually locate where the f- the lack of visible grief comes from because it could right. be any or all of these things, and there's no mm-hmm. way to know because we would have to know what Jaharis was feeling, and even then, what he's feeling is constrained by what patriarchy allows him to feel,
0: mm-hmm. and a
1: lot, and not just allows him to feel, but then allows him to express visibly.
0: You know what would be really great? This the time when they finally do conciliate when they come back together after their their first quarrel. They're like you know short vacation apart for a year. Uh-huh. That conversation when they come back together, I think is so important. And I wonder if in that conversation, if Jaharis was like fully honest about his grief regarding their various children, mm-hmm. if that would lead to like true conciliation between the two of them, right? Yes. Because, uh, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I can't imagine them coming back and Alisan being like, I was wrong. You know, like, I don't see that. No, no. <laughs> but if, But if he can express to her how the death of all all of their children, including all of their daughters, has really been affecting him. That he just hasn't said anything. Yeah. And that he feels like he can't say anything yeah. because he's king and he has to be strong. If that would have brought them together.
1: Yeah, and there are really interesting... You could do this visually. I love that. Because you could do this visually in so many interesting ways of, like, mm-hmm. um, Jaehaerys and Alison have a conversation about Sarah, for example, and she's like, let me see my daughter, and he's like, no, I cannot allow you. Um, fragile masculinity does not allow me to, I mean, he wouldn't say this, but the idea being that, like, fra- like, the, that, like the, the fragile masculinity under patriarchy does not allow him to show forgiveness to a daughter who has, like, made him look foolish um, mm-hmm. and who has not submitted to his authority. So, like, patriarchy mm-hmm. doesn't allow him to, like, reconcile with a daughter who has defied his authority because that would make him look weak. So he can't, mm-hmm. like, and he he wouldn't be able to say that. But, like, that's the idea behind, like, why he's, like, I can't do this. And, like, they right. have a conversation where he's, like, really hard and she's upset and she leaves. And you can show him, like, sagging or show mm-hmm. him, like, having a moment that, like, we recognize, like, oh, he is having feelings. He just can't. He cannot. Mm-hmm access them or express them and then mm-hmm. like show hints along the way that like he is feeling more about his daughter's death than he's able to to say mm-hmm. and that would make space for this like reconciling conversation i like the idea that at some point mm-hmm. Alison would say something like do you even care mm-hmm. like
0: do you even know that you have daughters you did you you
1: right right They they
0: die one after another and and you say nothing you do nothing right
1: i am the only one that's sad here are you do you feel anything about like there are children Mm -hmm. to harris Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and like that at some point i like that that she's able to Mm -hmm. get him to admit privately in a way that he Mm -hmm. cannot display publicly that like he's heartbroken
0: and i wonder too if he interprets it not only as like having to be a strong king but having to be strong for her yeah Mm-hmm. and it's like in that conversation if she was like why like do you even care or whatever and if he's like of course i care but i had i had to be strong for you i you were so distraught i couldn't also be you know one of us had to be strong i did i did it for the realm but i did it for you you yeah. know ah uh, oh, okay. fucking hbo make the show hbo <laughs> yeah.
1: that'd be so good that'd be so
0: <laughs>
1: that would just be
0: very very good and taking those elements all together helps me accept their reconciliation. Yep. Yep. Because the little paragraph of like, and then they got together and it was great afterwards, you know, like I was kind of like, what's on, what's on page that is unsatisfactory. Uh-huh. Yep. But if you, you know, all of these other things that are happening at once with their grief over their children and the way they're um, running the kingdoms and stuff like that, like that's all that makes sense to me Yep. as, being reconciled in that conversation Mm -hmm. so yeah
1: i feel like that's the best way to like show why i can't think of any more satisfying way for that reconciliation Mm -hmm. to make sense that it has to be Mm -hmm. a conversation about grief um Mm -hmm. and a conversation where he is actually vulnerable with alisanne um about what he's experiencing and what he's feeling um Mm. and that might make i like that too because it might make sense why he is also then more willing to be visibly upset about Eamon. I like to think that that could feed yeah, into it. that because like, that comes
0: after that. Mm-hmm. That he's
1: discovered a sense of vulnerability, that he like he can be honest about mm-hmm. how impactful it is that his children are dying. Um, mm-hmm. That it's not just, well, it's my son, so I'm allowed to be sad, but also that some of it is like whatever conversation they had to reconcile made him feel safer Mm -hmm. being comfortable displaying grief openly displaying grief when his son dies
0: he has like emotional growth yes basically yeah a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. i like that yeah not a lot because he
1: because he becomes an alcoholic in response to his son's death but like a little bit he's got some growth
0: yeah yeah he's not like super alcoholic he's like drinking his honeyed wine at night yeah you know he had a long day at the office one to three glasses of wine um and then
1: whatever saying sad thing and then saying how sad he is um yeah uh do we want to say anything about Rainey's and Corley's? i feel corlys i feel like we talked about them quite a bit earlier
0: um it's cool i love it it's the romance story i want yep, and love i love them so much and she's the queen who should have fucking been yep yep um, we love her yep um yep.
1: so yeah let's talk about uh eamon's death and like the fallout of the chapter so okay so mm-hmm. my thoughts here um couple thoughts there's this whole paragraph where where the maester's like yeah, yeah yeah the free cities are fighting Um, we're not going to talk about them unless it impacts Westeros and my brain immediately was like is this tied to the so called Dornish invasion my brain pinged on like there's clearly a bunch of shit going Mm. down in the free cities that like there is the maester is just brushing over as like unless it directly impacts like Westeros we just don't care and I'm like but whoa, 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 whoa!" sir geopolitics is actually important what if (laughs) what if the dornish the quote-unquote dornish invasion that never really got to westeros was actually somehow tied to things that were happening in the free cities that you just think is unimportant because like that that's across the sea we don't care Mm -hmm. about that
0: gretchen the dornish were invading. okay (laughs) we needed to burn their fleet don't talk about geopolitics we don't need to know about what's happening internationally <laughs> they were coming to invade westeros and and our the good king <laughs> and his sons put them down put them and down. saved everyone and lost no no soldiers right right that this was, was just time. like a like a huge misunderstanding that
1: the west that like the Westerosi, and especially the Targaryens, are so myopic that they believe that everything that is happening around them is about them. That they're like, the Dornish are moving? Oh, shit. They're coming after us. And you're like, no. Ma- oh, no. Ma- ma- <laughs> maybe they're doing something with the free cities? Or, you know, mm-hmm. like, the. Ma- this is not always about you, Westeros. Mm-hmm. In fact, people can do things that are not about you. <laughs>
0: To the Targaryens, everything is about them. That is the—they are—they are the pick me house. They are—you know—they're better than you. They're exceptional. They're—they're they're just everything. Everybody wants to be a Targaryen. Their blood is great. They got dragons. Come on, they're so pretty. they are the, so pretty. The Dornish are clearly coming after them, right? Obviously.
1: Um, but yeah. Anyway, that I was like, maybe this is what happened with the Dornish invasion. This is like the so-called mm-hmm. Dornish invasion was—they were somehow involved in what was happening with the free cities at some point that, that mm-hmm. just no one cared about. Um, also, I'm wondering, would things have... Okay, this is just a hypothetical, but what what if Rhaenys had gone with Eamon? Because it says that, like, Eamon's yeah. like, no, no, you're preggers. You gotta fight your mm-hmm. own battles. Um, you stay home and have your baby. Mm-hmm. And then he flies off, and he doesn't just fly off. He, like, arrives ahead of everyone else
0: Mm -hmm. because he lands on tarth yeah he
1: lands on tarth arrives ahead of everyone else and then has that conversation with the even star where he gets killed that i just like of course my brain is going if you had allowed your daughter to fly with you would things have been different a might you not have flown ahead so quickly might you have like Mm -hmm. taken things more easy stayed with the rest of the responsive fleet which is just a smart thing to do anyway
0: yeah it was weird for him to go ahead on his own because um, they were already mirish on tarth yep like this is a response to a mirish invasion that like, there are already troops from mir on tarth
1: right right that it like huh. doesn't make it would make more strategic sense to arrive with everybody else so that you're not vulnerable mm-hmm. um i don't know if it would have but like i just wonder like could this have been avert could aemon's death have been averted
0: um Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing too is I don't know if it's meant to be symbolic. The fact that the the Mearish Scouts notice them because they see the smoke from Caraxes, because Caraxes is eating some goats, mm-hmm. and so they notice the dragon smoke, uh, or they, they notice the smoke from the dragon fire rather, which is how they see the Even Star and Amon.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know if that's supposed to be symbolic in some fashion. That like the the presence of the symbol of power ends up being the thing that leads to the downfall of the symbol of Poe. It feels a little circular to me, but I I think maybe there's something there. Yeah, but
1: I feel like that fits with my, one of my thoughts that maybe Eamon was the target all along. Mm. That this wasn't, because part, okay, so part of why I wonder that is because of the way the maester describes it, is just Mm -hmm. like um oh where is it, hold on. Um the men of Mirror are indifferent sailors and feeble soldiers. Their weapons of choice are dirk, dagger, and crossbow, pef- preferably poison, which we all know has this, like, oh, it's poison, that's a woman's that's weapon. A women's weapon.
0: Ooh, that yeah. he's, like,
1: the is going out of his way to say, like, these people are utterly inept, and then is basically, like, they're so inept that they shoot a crossbow bolt meant for the even star and accidentally hit Pierce, aiming through the throat. And I just hmm wonder sure that's one way to interpret it but a how do you know you would have to be in the minds of the person who shot the crossbow how do you know that he was aiming for the even star and missed Mm
0: -hmm. could he
1: not actually have been a highly accurate soldier who hit his target
0: hmm i wonder because the other question i have is how did they know that was the even star you could recognize the crown Targaryen prince real easy because he's the, the whitest person on the planet, right? Like right. Those are very distinguishable and there's a dragon present. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, what I'm wondering is, what do they do after, so after Aemon is killed, they uh, go, they burn the Mirish ships. Um, so they destroy basically, they destroy the invading mirish Uh-huh. But they do not go to Mir. No. So the Mirish invaded Tarth, uh huh. Killed the Crown Prince. Uh-huh. And don't get invaded? Nope. Cause my thought is why would the Maester want to make it sound like it was kind of an accident? Mm-hmm. And my thought is that he would make it want to make it sound like the Mirish didn't mean to kill the Crown Prince because if they did there was- If they did, if they came and assassinated the prince and the response was. Nothing. Not (laughs) to invade Mir. Uh huh. It would make it. Again, Jaharis not doing shit. Shit happens. And and, I mean, the response is to. They were going to destroy the invading force anyway. Yep,
1: yep. There's no way that the Mirish would would overcome.
0: Right. They were going to destroy the Mirish Mirish invading force anyway. They weren't going to, like, give Tarth to the Mirish. So. Jaharis does nothing basically yep. in response to the crown prince being killed, right?
1: Right, it also makes significant more, significantly more strategic sense to kill the crown prince not just because mm-hmm. he's the crown prince, but because he's the dragon rider.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's the dragon they sent. Yep, right. If they killed the even star of Tarth,
1: what value would that have gained the Mirish soldiers? Mm-hmm. Nothing.
0: Yeah, someone else would have just taken over, right?
1: Then, then I mean, Eamon probably would have turned around and been like, "Burn you with my dragon!" Like, mm-hmm. there's no strategic value in killing the Even Star of Tarth because even if you kill the Even Star of Tarth, they're still going to destroy you anyway. Like, they're, like mm-hmm. the Mirish, I feel like at this point is like they're going to get destroyed no matter what, right? But what if you can take out the Crown Prince and also who is also a dragon rider?
0: Like, and how threatening is it? To think that they're so good with a crossbow. Yep. That they can. Yeah. They got him through the throat. Yep.
1: Like. That. I mean he
0: didn't take an arrow to the knee. He took an arrow through the throat. Yep.
1: Right. Which you know? means that they were aiming for a headshot. Mm-hmm. Like they were. They were not just shooting to wound. Like they were going like. You don't like aim for a knee and hit a throat. I mean I guess you'd have to be really bad. But that's why I feel like that's why they have to frame it as like. They're just really bad shots, and happen to accidentally k- shoot the crown prince through the throat. And I'm like, and this probably because it's more dangerous to imagine that they are accurate enough to shoot the crown prince through the throat.
0: And the whole concept that it's like, oh, the serendipity. There happened to be two scouts that were happened to be in the woods at the time that happened to go unnoticed. It's like, were there just scouts out there with crossbows, or were there like soldiers deep in Tarth mm-hmm. around the camp? where the even star was right right because also
1: when you put it like that the other implication of the fact that the crown prince gets assassinated is that you also then have to wonder well then why did he fly ahead of like then you have to ask questions about like was the crown did the crown prince make poor decisions and the answer is yes he did make poor decisions Yep. He should not have flown ahead of the, of the like, response force. He should have gone with the ships. He should not mm-hmm. have been out wandering around with the Evenstar of Tarth. Like, mm-hmm. just out in the open with the possibility that there are, you know, soldiers in the hills.
0: I mean, he just landed on his dragon. He couldn't do a little swoop around to see if there were soldiers in the hills? Right. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think that this is a, one of those, like, a Targaryen exceptionalism problems where it's like he thought he was invincible. Yep. Yep. You know, and he had his dragon. Yep. Caraxes likes burning. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but Caraxes can't help you if you get an arrow in your throat, bud. Right. That this has all the marks of like, Amon was Aemon was a little bit impulsive. The other question I have is, but, I'm sorry. Yes, you were saying Eamon's impulsive. I yeah, completely totally
1: he, he made some like strategically foolish decisions because he was impulsive and was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm invincible with my dragon. I'll go burn the shit. And he ends up dead because of it.
0: Yeah, what kind of armor was he wearing? Very because, good question. Because there, like plate armor, I mean, you can pierce plate armor with crossbows. That that's one of the dangers of of uh-huh. the, the strength of a crossbow bolt. Um, that's one of the purposes of a crossbow bolt. But I think it's called a gorget. Is the piece that goes yeah. around the neck? Uh-huh. Um, there's armor that's supposed to go around your weak points. Yep.
1: Yep. And your neck, so, your neck is a pretty big one.
0: And the text doesn't describe it like it punched straight through the gore gate or whatever. It just says it went through his neck. So was he, like, fucking walking around with without his armor on in, like, an active battle zone? Mm-hmm. Like a dumbass?
1: Yep. He might have been. Again, that you kind know? of, like, I'm a dragon rider... I could imagine the possibility that at some point the Targaryens would become so convinced of their own invincibility as dragon riders that they might not wear a lot of armor because they don't mm. expect to be within range of things that can impact their armor. They're thinking mm-hmm. of themselves as aerial attackers
2: mm-hmm. and
1: like not a lot of and not being close enough to like need the same kind of armor that like a melee fighter would. Mm-hmm. I, we don't know that but i could imagine at some point like well adding armor like wearing a lot of armor adds weight and like wouldn't it be better to just like wear minimalist armor i'm probably not going to be within the range of any of these things anyway so like mm-hmm. i can get away with wearing like like less armor than a melee fighter would
0: more like a boiled leather kind of situation. yeah yeah like, like thick thick clothing but not metal yep
1: Yep, because yeah. it minimizes your weight, you're going to be more aerodynamic, it's going to be better for for flight mm. and you're not expecting to be within range of weapons that can do actual
0: harm, because you're expecting to be on your dragon in the air, far mm. away. I'm really curious to see in House of the Dragon, uh, as we get into Season 2, which will have more battles, mm-hmm. how they handle the issue of helmets. Yeah. Because... It's hard on screen to put a helmet on somebody because then, like, you're covering your actor's face. For the Targaryens, you're covering their pretty hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you spend three hours putting on this really nice wig that I'm now now going to put a helmet on. Fuck you. You know, it's like uh, I get like I get why like Daenerys never had a helmet. Like, they I were understand willing that to visually. Damon, though,
1: they were willing to give Damon a helmet in some of the battle scenes.
0: Yes, he, w- he did. He have a helmet when he? I can't remember if he had a helmet when he was riding Caraxes in the in episode three when he kills Crabfeeder. Like the very that very I first scene, feel like I, I have
1: images in my brain of like yeah
0: Matt
1: or not Matt. I always say Matt Damon.
0: Yeah, everyone does. Everyone Matt says Smith. That. <laughs> Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith <laughs> with like a helmet
1: that like you could still kind of see his streaming, flowing blonde hair. Yeah, and like had like a nose piece. But they and... didn't
0: give one to Raynus when she popped no. out the ground. You know? And that's kind of when she probably would have needed one, was when she popped out the ground. Right. I'm curious to see how they handle the, the women dragon riders yeah. versus the male dragon riders and that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I mean this is... Anyway, regarding Eamon here... Um... I think that he was the target. I think that he was the primary target. I la- I prefer that. Yeah, I prefer that. Um, and the rewriting of history. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like, afterwards, I, I It that. was
1: just an accident. That we don't need to do an invasion. It was just an accident. Yeah, I I liked. Th- Literally, I liked your how point. would they know? Yeah.
0: Literally, how would they ever know whether? I mean, like it's that's just made up. Unless the mirror sent a letter afterwards and we're like, "We are so sorry, that was we a whoopsie. We did not mean to kill your prince. We meant to assassinate one of your lords, but not your <laughs> prince." <laughs> Like, how else would they know, you know? Right. Um, also, they didn't post an apology on Instagram. Right.
1: Um, the other thing to point out is how um, symbolically and kind of visually similar this is to the death of Magor. We have another, like, pierced through the throat. Mm. That Magor ends up, like, impaled oh. through the throat on the spikes of the Iron Throne. And we've talked about yeah. the Iron Throne as, like, a kind of like a weirwood. So, like the, like, the mm-hmm. spikes on the, like, the, all of the swords on the throne are, like, meant to kind of symbolically be like the roots of the trees, but they're just like mm-hmm. hardened and frozen and um so like he's being pierced through the throat by a by like a root. You know, it's a wooden mm-hmm. crossbow bolt. So he's being and, and Magor dies in it yeah. in like a visually symbolically similar way of pierced through the throat. Mm. Um so this is our second Targaryen king who's killed by um by like a shaft through the throat. Like a root I wonder
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a that could be a connection if you di- if you um, adapted this to screen, we don't have very much about Eamon in the text. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you adapted this to screen and Eamon was like a douchebag. Yeah uh-huh. if Eamon was like kind of a mean boy-huh and maybe like a, a visually similar death between Megor and him to be symbolic right? Um, one thing that actually I wonder about with Eamon, he only has one child and it's a daughter right but what's going on with him and jocelyn
2: yeah rain is
0: 16
1: yeah and they haven't had another kid that's a good point yeah
0: yeah are they not are they not fucking is there fertility issues is she purposefully controlling her fertility because she doesn't want any more children by him you know is he abusive yeah maybe and she keeps away from him as much as possible you know
1: it is interesting that like as far as we know there's no pressure on aemon to have another child
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and i was thinking about the fact that rainey's in in the the section where she's going on progress is acting like the heir to the heir of the throne
2: Mm mm-hmm
1: yep that, like, it is, you know, it's normal for Balon and Aemon to go on progress because it's the heir to the throne and the, the next future hand of the king and his hand. That, like, mm-hmm. you expect the, like, the next in line, the next power, you know, like, mm-hmm. the next people who are going to be inheriting power from the current monarch to be on progress to, like, introduce people to, like, oh, yeah, here's going to be your next king and here's going to be his next mm-hmm. hand. But rainys goes. And I'm like, oh. And not Viserys. And not Viserys. Mm-hmm. that and, and we don't we have no idea where Damon is at this point mm-hmm. um but rainies is acting like she is her father's heir mm-hmm. that she yeah, is Amon's I mean, heir which she is and like <laughs> no one's saying anything about it everyone seems mm-hmm. cool with this and the fact that like I, would, I feel like that could fit potentially in with the idea that like Amon didn't feel any pressure to have another child
0: or like, yeah.
1: If, as far as we he know, if he was cool,
0: if he was cool with that succession, yeah, you know, then yeah,
1: why would he? Yeah, yeah. That like Eamon Amon is not having another child with his wife, which like to me feels like an in, like the the implication there, kind of like Viserys, is mm-hmm. he's fine with this succession, mm-hmm. he's comfortable with yeah. it,
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: um. Because the only reason on the show that Viserys is not comfortable with it is because he had this dream of having a son who would sit on the throne, Um, which is not in the text. But, like, that's the reason why Viserys is, like, you know, Mm
0: -hmm. in the
1: show, why he wants to have a son is because he's had this, like, what he
0: believes is a prophetic dream. He thinks he's prophetic, yeah. Yeah, he thinks he's... He said, said, I'm magic. I had a magic dream. Yeah, I am
1: an oracle, because I had a dream (laughs) once that made me feel things. Um, Yes.
0: Let me show you my magic dagger. Yeah, but
1: yeah, I, I just, like, I feel like there are hints, like, that, like, there's, like, you could draw a conclusion, and if I were to adapt this to the screen, that would be part of what I would do, is say, like, Eamon is perfectly comfortable with Rainies as his heir. That, like, he's the heir to the mm-hmm. throne, he's fine with Rainies as his heir, and feels no need to have more children, mm-hmm. and part of that could be, like, maybe there's some conflict with Jocelyn, because he's kind of a douche.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. We know that he's impulsive um. and
1: likes violence,
0: I also, I also wonder, like, so the little prophecy thing that you just mentioned from House of the Dragon, like, let's let's play pretend that that's in this text. Um, Jaheris would have told that to Aemon. Mm-hmm. Aemon would have told that to Rhaenys,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then it's like, okay, that it's done. We have the succession. We have the person that knows about the Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. It's all good. We're gonna be. We are. We are Gucci Gold. When Aemon dies, I wonder if one of the reasons Jaheris is. It, like particularly upset by it, uh, besides like the patriarchy and everything we discussed, is that he's also seeing this as a as a magical destiny problem, mm. and he's like, well, now who who do I tell my magical destiny to?
1: Who?
0: And then he probably tells Balon at that point, right? Yeah,
1: who gets the magical destiny ball?
0: Right. <laughs> who gets to see the tummy dagger?
1: <laughs> who gets the Targaryen dagger of magical destiny?
0: Why they don't just tell all the Targaryens about this shit? They really should. They should just they share it really with They really
1: should. Everyone should know. Because um, you never know when you're gonna die. But anyway. All right. Let's let's wrap this up by talking about um, the the very very sad slow decline of Alicent Targaryen. This just mm-hmm. like makes me very sad. Um, yeah. We talked a little bit earlier about like she's only fifty nine. What the fuck? Um, why mm. is she acting like she's so old? I think that there are questions about, like, what is the average age and whether or not this is a similar problem that we saw the other time where it was like, Martin, what is the average height of people in Westeros that you think someone who's five feet tall is, like, childlike size? That maybe some of this is, like, Martin is imagining, like, that the average, you know, that, like, people don't live into their 80s and, like, he's imagining, like, oh, Mm -hmm. people only live into, like, their 60s. So, someone who's 59 is really old. And I'm like, cool, but you just told me Theomar Manderly was, like, robust. And he's, Mm -hmm. like, mid-60s. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's also possible that this wasn't age at all and that she had some other illness. Yeah, You know, if she had, I don't know, if she had, like, cancer, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, some kind of slow-moving cancer, she would be slowly getting sicker and weaker. And because of her age, they could say, old, you know, but maybe she's just had an illness they didn't know about.
1: I do think they I, I, I like made it as kind of a joke about like maybe they don't know about osteoporosis, but also maybe they don't know about they don't osteoporosis. know about osteoporosis. She's exactly. had thirteen children. For people mm-hmm. who are not aware, like the bait, like when you in you know when you incubate a fetus, like it mm-hmm. pulls cells and nutrients from the parent's body. Yes. Um. And one of the main ways that that impacts, you know, people who have had children is bone density. They are losing mm-hmm. calcium. They lose a bunch of minerals that get like pulled out of their body to help build the little fetus inside of them. And if you do mm-hmm. not like medically intervene, it can be hard to recover all of, you know, all of the minerals and things that are lost. That's why you see so many, so many things about like, you know women over the age of a certain age, you got to start taking your calcium and your vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And that's because the assumption is you've probably had some children and you're losing all of the, you know, mm-hmm. you're losing bone density. You're losing these minerals in the building of the, the children that you have. And Alice Ann has had 13 kids. Yep. And it one of the things yep. she does is break her hip, which like serpentine steps. We know that they're very dangerous, but also that was one of those. Where I was like, Oh, I wonder if she's just got real bad bone density. Like, yeah, probably. She's had 13 she kids, does. and I don't and they, yeah. they don't know that you'd need to like replace all the minerals that are lost when mm-hmm. you've had a child, and she's had 13 of them. Mm-hmm. Her bones are exactly. probably just full of holes.
0: Very weak. But Gretchen. She is a Targaryen. Pureborn. <laughs> She she is exceptional. Targaryens don't, don't get osteoporosis. Targaryens don't get osteoporosis. They're closer to gods than men. They just magically <laughs> create
1: the minerals that become a fetus, like ex nihilo, just out of thin air, just yes, like, you yes.
0: know. What's the problem? I, I do think, I like Allison along with, like, Queen Visenya as examples of women who uh, died of something perfectly natural, potentially, like, just a a run-of-the-mill disease, osteoporosis or whatever. Um, But because they're Targaryen, the text must give it some other explanation. Mm -hmm. Because, like, they are acting like these are very old people. Visenya lived into her 70s. And she was not described as old and frail until she hit her 70s, when she started to, like, seemingly actually decline. Mm -hmm. She didn't hit 50, and they were like, oh my god, so elderly. Like, they didn't do that for her. So it's... It's not like we don't have examples of older people. Mm. We do right it, so it's it's definitely interesting
1: um, right yeah and there's some interesting symbolism here about like she is losing all of the like all of the areas where she had power. That's part of why this is so sad to me is mm-hmm. like, what does she lose? Her body is failing. Um, mm-hmm. she's not be she's not able to participate in governance anymore because she's losing her hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a pretty normal thing for that age range to lose her hearing and they don't have hearing aids so like if you start right. losing your hearing then like it sucks to be you you just can't hear things um, yeah. they don't have disability aids for that um, mm-hmm. so she's losing her hearing so she can't participate in the small council she's losing her ability to participate in governance which was a thing mm-hmm. that gave her power um, mm-hmm. she's not able to fly which yeah. is another thing that gave her power. Where, where it says, like, she took her last flight and then got off and
0: cried. I was like, Ooh. as a As a recovering horse girl, I got to say, that's got to be really depressing for, like, people that are, like, lifelong equestrians. Yeah. That, like, horseback riding is, like, their, like, primary, like, a really important, um, not even hobby, but a really important passion to mm-hmm. them. Eventually, if you're fortunate, you live a long time. And eventually you would get to a point where you're, I mean, horseback riding is physically intense it's mm-hmm. if, if people think you just sit on the horse you do not just sit on the horse you're doing it's a it's a full body workout every time you ride right. a horse yeah go ride a horse um,
1: for an hour then tell me how your core feels
0: yeah exactly <laughs> and i don't mean just like sit on it while it walks around a ring i mean like ride the horse uh-huh. riding a dragon must be similar mm-hmm. it must be a similar experience um and yeah there would be a certain point where if, if you're fortunate enough to live long enough. Uh, you would not be able to do that anymore. Yeah. And like that that was a
1: place where she found freedom and power and agency mm-hmm. and she loses that. Um like she like and things that she found joy in, like losing her hearing it says that she can't engage in music anymore. Like there's something deeply tragic to me about especially someone like Alison, a woman who tried so hard to like find agency within this system. For herself mm-hmm. and the women around her to just slowly have the areas where she found joy and agency just be taken away from her at the mm-hmm. end of her age. And like no one's do like patriarchy isn't doing this to her. This is age. Mm-hmm. But like that's part of what makes that. This is this is ableism, yes. really, is what it is. Right. Yeah. And this is part of why that line where she says, My uncle Magor was cruel, but age is crueler. Why that just mm-hmm. cuts me so deeply. Because part mm-hmm. of the cruelty is her losing everything that gave her power and agency in a system that was attempting to strip it all away from her her whole life. That, like, she Mm -hmm. had kept it for herself her whole life and eventually she loses it from old age. Mm
2: -hmm. That, like,
1: age just strips her of all of the things that she had fought so hard to keep for herself and to to make more space for other women to have. And that's just, like, Mm -hmm. gut-wrenching. And I I love Mm -hmm. it. I mean, it's beautiful. I love
0: suffering, but, like, it's... I mean, it's the kind of thing that really... I do think Martin, in this text occasionally hits on points where um, it's pretty good critique of of ableism mm-hmm. and um, you know, the the kind of themes of themes of unity and themes of like needing to care for each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that you should not romanticize the past in general is that one group of people we didn't care for ever was people that had any kind of disability. Right. You couldn't walk too bad. Now you sit. You don't get anything to help you with that. Right. You're, you can't hear? Too bad. No more hearing for you. Mm. You can't see? Too bad. No sight. You know, like, all these things that... Or even, like, you know, you have difficulty reading? Oh, well. Struggle. You know, the, all yeah. these things that we now have the ability to address and give accommodations for, mm. which we should, right. because we should be supporting each other, mm-hmm. um, and not just letting people suffer, you know, in this kind of, like, medieval, quote-unquote, setting that gets so romanticized those people just suffer yeah and that's part of his story that's part of what he's trying to convey to us is that hey maybe knights and chivalry and princesses is not as cool as you think what (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about maybe maybe it's bad to live in a time when uh you have 13 children and 10 of them die before you maybe that's not good Mm -hmm. yep
1: yeah um, there is this really beautiful, what I think of as, like, the closest that she's going to get to, like, a like an elegy um, mm-hmm. or a eulogy that someone would say. Um, it says, um, this is on page 355. The last years of Alysanne Targaryen were sad and lonely ones. In her youth, Good Queen Alysanne had loved her subjects, lords, and commons alike. She had loved her women's courts, listening, learning, and doing what she could to make the realm a kinder place. She had seen more of the Seven Kingdoms than any queen before or since, slept in a hundred castles, charmed a hundred lords, made a hundred marriages. She had loved music, had loved to dance, had loved to read, and oh, how she loved to fly. Silverwing had carried her to Old Town, to the Wall, and to a thousand places in between, and Alessand saw them all as few others ever would, looking down from above the clouds. I was like, ha. Oh. Oh, what a beautiful picture of her life, like yeah, that that one thing that I cannot fault the maester for that I 100% agree with the maester on is how much the maester loves alisanne and that doesn't mean he yeah. always sees her clearly, and it doesn't mean he's always mm-hmm. accurate in like the ways that he describes her motivations or behaviors, but he loves her. The maester, mm-hmm. like this maester specifically, clearly also just like Septon Barth, like loves mm-hmm. alisanne and like. This is the best elegy we have ever read for a woman in this text thus far. That is just, like, this is her life and yep. work, and we should celebrate
0: it. Mm-hmm. And we have... And we acknowledge yep. it and say that she she is unique among us. Right, right. And there is... That she did things that others didn't. Right, right. And there is, like, a teensy mm. bit of
1: misogyny about that, because, like, in order to get this kind of attention, she has to be exceptional. And mm-hmm. there is... I mean, and that is both beautiful that she gets it, but also, like, one of those, like the exception that proves the rule that like she only gets mm-hmm. this because she's so exceptional among other women and like mm-hmm. she shouldn't have to be, she shouldn't have to be exceptional to get this kind mm-hmm. of loving description of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a loving, beautiful description of her life. And we, we agree with you, Maester. Alison is great. Yes. We love her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we do. We do love her. I, I think that was great. Um, I do want to talk at some point about how the children die and Targaryen exceptionalism. Ooh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably a good time because this is, yeah. we, in, this, in this part of the of the chapter is where we learn, like, it's basically, like, all of her kids who died.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a list of them. I'm trying to find uh, the list. Um, uh, page 336,
1: second full paragraph
0: okay yes page 336 second full paragraph um, it goes over these are all the children born to Alicent and Jaehaerys and the way that they lived or died um, Aegon, Gaiman and Valerian died as babes so those were oh her three, her three child, baby deaths were boys mm-hmm. Okay, Aegon, Gaiman and Valerian died as babes the shivers took Daenerys a crossbow slew Prince Aemon Alyssa and Daella died in childbed Viserra drunk in the street Septimagel died uh, from greyscale uh, and then Princess Gail died, question mark, somehow, whether it was from... It's it's unclear to me how Gail died. I don't really believe... Yeah. The Did we talk about how Gail died or did, did we not? Uh, briefly, at the very beginning. I My concern with Gail's death is just that if she was, in fact, simple-minded, quote-unquote, as the text describes her, um, I don't know that she was in a position to consent to sexual relationships. Yep. Mm-hmm. so I don't know that she was wooed by a singer or was she raped by a singer yep. you know and I also don't know that she would commit suicide I mean to, to drown yourself was like a particularly horrible way to die right. uh, yep. and it, it doesn't really it doesn't jive with me mm-hmm. that that's that's what happened yep. I don't know how I would adapt it to screen but I would adapt it differently to screen mm-hmm. um, but Gail dies somehow also yeah. so Targaryens are exceptional Gretchen uh they they have some they're so exceptional Uh that um their their death rate for kids is higher than (laughs) (laughs) exceptional in the other direction they're exceptionally good at death (laughs) uh but like the kids die from regular run-of-the-mill stuff that kills all kinds of people childbirth Uh um grayscale Accidents.
1: I thought that Targaryens
0: couldn't get diseases, Caroline. They can't get diseases except grayscale. They can get. Apparently, they can get grayscale. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially suicide for Gale or disease for Gale. Disease for Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Regular role disease for Daenerys. And uh, as we, as is, uh, you know, uh, alluded to, Balon also dies. Later, he dies of appendicitis. So. Mm-hmm. Targaryen exec- exceptionalism. Who, who, who is she? Is she Oops. in the room with us? Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> it just strikes me as like su- such a farce after reading about their reign. Yeah, to say that th- these are particularly exceptional people—they're—they're they're so normal. Mm-hmm. They die from all the normal things.
1: Yep, he, they, they sure did. Um. Yeah, and even some things that um, your average lord would not die of, like amen. Like your av- your average child of a lord would not necessarily die through, but I mean, I guess they could by crossbow through just the just bol- through battle in general. Battle Lots, in general. I,
0: mean, I, I would just qualify that as generic war. Generic
1: war, but yeah, you know. they are dying in very normal ways. All of these ways that the Targaryen children die are like the normal ways that any child could die. You're right. Right. So there there is no exception. They are not more special. They are like the gods are not accepting them from normal death. Mhm.
0: Um It's almost like that it's almost like that that doctrine was made up for this king and queen. Yeah, it's almost like they <laughs> made it up at the beginning of their reign so that
1: they could have sex with each other and get married.
0: Ooh, and then I think it's, like, even driven home more. If Alison, in fact, dies from, like, osteoporosis or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You're not, a, you don't have exceptional bones. Nope. You have reg- regular bones. You have regular incest bones. Regular
1: normal human bones that, like, need yeah. minerals. <laughs> and... Right.
0: <laughs> Make sure to get enough calcium everywhere. Yes, yes, especially
1: but... if you are someone who has, you know, like, a particular anatomy and you've had children, mm-hmm. Um, take your
0: calcium. 100%. Yeah, uh, uh, this is like Welcome to the Calcium Podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up because while That's I was reading brilliant. this, I was like, I was like, yeah, we're, wow. Just, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone's dead. Yep. Yep. So many. So many of them. So, men. who gets shafted? You have Viscera listed here. Why would you list <laughs> Vissera as someone who gets shafted by the narrative?
1: You can't do anything Right.
0: She can't. She can't. I mean, that's the thing. Targ princesses can't. There's no right way to be a Targ princess. I also put mm-hmm.
1: Vagon on here, just because, look, I'm sorry.
0: This is very rude.
1: This is very mm-hmm. rude. We get one description of Vagon. We, like, Vagon, like, hardly ever appears. Mm-hmm. And then on page 336, um, uh, like, it's talking about Alisande trying to keep in touch with her living children, and she says, a cold and distant son, Vagon had grown to be a cold and distant man. And I just am like, okay, what do you expect from your 15-year-old ch- from your child that you sent to the Citadel at 15 years old after you let your other children bully him because he didn't want to get
0: married? Like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry! He didn't want to get married to his sister, Gretchen. Right. You have to remember the to his sister aspect of the story. Like, this this is <laughs>
1: such a, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is such a boomer description of what is <laughs> happening with Vagon to be like, my kids <laughs> don't call me anymore. And I'm like, maybe. Why do they call me? Maybe you're parenting. <laughs> maybe you made some very bad parenting choices, and this is a really reasonable response for the way that you treated your mm-hmm. child.
0: Um, yeah, maybe this. Maybe you were wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever considered? Right. Like, what is what is your little nerd son thinking? Asked no one in mm-hmm. this. Family what does he ever. want? So what no does he ever, want? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just had to say that because um. I have like a bit no, of you're a like. Correct. I have a bit of a like attachment to Vagon because I like mm-hmm. kind of relate to him as mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just like I just, just a nerd kid who wants to like do my nerd things and not be pressured into like. I get that, I get a kind of like neurodivergent vibe from him who just wanted, yes. you know, and like that
0: makes. We talked about him as like a queer character yep, too. Yep, yeah. potentially yeah.
1: asexual or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe queer of some other variety that like I just look at Vagon and I'm like, leave
0: Vagon alone. <laughs> I think it's also a very realistic description of what like a middle, like a middle kind of son mm-hmm. would experience right. being estranged from his parents. Uh-huh. I mean, there's no way for him to not have been estranged. I mean, they could have tried harder to not be estranged from Vagon, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Yeah. You know, they they really focused on the first three kids and then the kids after that kind of... Got shafted, yeah. That's why they're kind of in this section. They
1: they shipped Vagon off to boarding school, and like Mm -hmm. as far as we know, did not make a lot of attempts to reach out to him. And then like years later, a surprise that he doesn't really want to interact with them. Like,
0: Mm -hmm. what do you want? It it is very boomer. I like that description. (laughs) That's that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Um, And then also to get shafted under patriarchy, to get shafted is all the men under patriarchy who can't express their grief grief except through aggression another example of that and this is balon yep. after aemon is killed mm-hmm. balon's response is to go destroy the mirish on tarth which like had to happen anyway yep but like his personal investment in it was his way to express yep. his grief
1: yeah and i put that under theme so this is a great transition under theme under the themes and symbolism hmm. section was like patriarchy. the way that patriarchy harms everyone we're seeing that specifically in this text is that men have no way to express grief and, like, mm-hmm. we've, we talk a lot about the way that patriarchy impacts women, and we have touched on the ways that it impacts men. And this is such a good section to discuss the way that, that patriarchy limits the avenues for males to explore their feelings, especially feelings of grief and sadness. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Balon's a really good point. Like, his reaction to his brother dying is like, well, I guess I go burn some shit. And mm-hmm. he does eventually he- come back and, like, break down weeping with
0: his mother mm-hmm I was about to say he balon seems to be a little bit more emotionally open than Jaharis mm-hmm. um and I think that would be the influence from Allison yes right that that he he feels especially if we have that backstory of Allison trying to give him space to grieve Alyssa like if we have that preceding backstory of like everything happening with viscera mm-hmm. and Allison kind of stepping in and being like, I understand you're not ready like. You know, don't worry. I'm going to send her away. It's not. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him being very close to Alison and therefore being more emotionally connected with his own emotions. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Yeah. Um.
1: Yes, because
0: we know that he was so gr- he was really grief
1: stricken after Alyssa, but like didn't have any visible mm-hmm. displays of grief. Um. Mm-hmm. Other than just like, oh yeah, he made a memorial for her, didn't he? Some kind of like. Um. He said, "Where's that section? Hold on." I vaguely remember that. Um, oh, it just says he never ceased to honor the memory of his sweet lady with the broken nose and mismatched eyes. It was not some kind of a memorial, but, like, he, yeah. he honored her memory. That um, like, Balon seems like a sweet boy. That he might have, and he, you're right, that he might have been more in touch with his feelings. And it seems like he locates that in his relationship with his mom. Because he breaks mm-hmm. down weeping when he sees Alisanne. Explicitly, the text mm-hmm. says, when he saw his mother again, he broke down in her arms and wept. Yeah. That, like... He doesn't weep when he's with his dad. That, like, this seems to be mm-hmm. something that, like, Alysanne helps give him access and freedom to express his feelings because he goes and he cries and he, like, sobs in his
0: mother's arms. And it's... I wonder if the the Aemon-Balon kind of relationship is kind of like Viserys and Damon but flipped. Yeah. Like, Aemon is more like Damon mm-hmm. And Balon is more like Viserys. Yeah. Um, in the sense of that maybe Aemon was like more fit to rule and that he was like tougher and a little bit brusque and like maybe not a nice dude, you know that kind of stuff. And Balon is like is perfectly suited to be second. Yeah. Like he's like very content to be hand. Like he's not trying to be king any of this stuff, and just loves his wife mm-hmm. and loves
1: his brother. Because we we have that yeah we have that story about when they were kids that like Balon followed Aemon around everywhere. But like, you get this mm-hmm. sense that he's just like, I love my big brother. My big brother is great.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, and I could see if Viserys and Damon were switched in birth order, mm-hmm. but, like, their personalities remain intact, I think it would be kind of the same yep. thing. You know? And I I think that's a – I like thinking about them that way because that kind of – that explains a lot of the story for me. Right.
1: Right. So Balon is yeah. able to express some grief. But you're right. Jaharis doesn't. He doesn't cry. We don't see him cry. Um, mm-hmm. we see him start drinking, and then, like, one night when it says that he's, like, drunk, um, um, he says, like, it is always winter now, he says to Septon Barth yeah. one night when he had drunk too much. That, like, but yeah. he could only express emotional vulnerability, either, as, as we're theorizing, in private with Alysanne, or mm-hmm. when he's drunk, which... Yep. is also not surprising under patriarchy. Like alcohol is one of the few avenues that men under patriarchy mm-hmm. have to access their feelings in a way that is socially acceptable. That it's like, "Oh, you're yeah. drunk. You're having feelings cuz you're drunk." And like mm. it's not considered as much of a sign of weakness if a man is drunk and expresses feelings than if he is just expressing feelings in his normal life. Like it's kind of considered okay for like a dude to get drunk and maybe feel some things um but not without getting drunk
2: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah that like this whole passage about Bailon's, about Eamon's death is just like such a such a clear picture of how little access these men have to the ability to express their feelings that the primary avenue is aggression and violence secondary to that would be something like alcohol um mm-hmm. And, like, after that, like, unless you have someone in your life who gives you that safety to feel your feelings, like, like, Alysanne does for Balon, like, these men cannot have no way to express their feelings. And even the maester, as I said, even the maester seems kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. with, like, talking exactly. about grief. Um, the mm-hmm. way that he has to say, like, oh, everyone is sad. Like, that he can't just be, like, right. King Jaharris was devastated at the death of his son. He has to be, like... Oh, everyone! You know everyone's really sad. The whole sad. realm,
0: the whole realm wept, including J. Harris. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's a really important commentary because that's so true in modern, in our modern yep. world, in the patriarchy of modern times. It's 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 one of those aspects of Westerosi patriarchy that it can almost be lifted lifted exactly to the real world. Mm-hmm. Like most of Westerosi patriarchy is particularly toxic to highlight these things in our real in real world, mm-hmm. right? But this is one of those aspects that, like, this is exactly what it's like for men under patriarchy they're not allowed to express their emotions violence i mean there's a reason that like every school shooter is a young white man you know and it's not that he was bullied because you know who gets bullied a lot kids that have differences in school it's Mm -hmm. none of them it's it's a issue of masculinity and imposing a masculinity on men and requiring them to conform to it and it's it's a, a requirement that's unfathomable un- unreachable mm-hmm.
2: it's not possible
0: to not have emotions you're a person yep so the patriarchy demanding that of men um uh, creates this toxic environment and mm-hmm. creates toxicity in this within this family yep. within the house of the dragon yeah yeah this total
1: side note but i feel but i feel like this is really interesting to tie in here i just i was watching a TikTok. And it was someone giving mm-hmm. a talk about um, as a professor giving a talk about testosterone and like the role of mm-hmm. testosterone that like we tend to think that the role of testosterone is to generate aggression. Mm-hmm. You know that like if you have a lot of testosterone you're going to be like aggressive and angry and actually the role of testosterone is to um, increase risk like um, status behaviors mm-hmm. behaviors that that like elevate status. Um, oh interesting yeah like that's what what testosterone does is it increases the urge to perform behaviors that elevate one's status within the group that Mm -hmm. you're in Mm. and so what matters is what defines status status
0: and that is why
1: currently a lot of like testosterone is fueling aggression and violence because that behavior is what elevates a male status under patriarchy, under our patriarchy. Mm. And I think the patriarchy here too, that like aggressive Mm -hmm. behaviors, violent behaviors, angry behaviors increase one's status. They are a sign of what they would consider to be healthy masculinity. It's not healthy masculinity, but like their vision of men with high status is men who perform feats of violence and aggression. And so testosterone mm-hmm. is going to fuel the urge to do that, especially when you perceive that status to be under threat.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah. I wonder how they figured that out. Um, That's fascinating. Yeah, but 100%. yeah, that's how they like... Yeah.
1: Um. There was there was a whole TikTok about it. It was really, really interesting. And they, they did some studies with mm-hmm. monkeys about like their mm-hmm. behaviors. But like the like his conclusion was like in cultures where status is defined by like pro social behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um like caring for others or offering gifts. Like if that were a sign of male status, testosterone would be fueling that. Mm. Like It is about, yeah, so, like, if you redefine what what status is, it will change the behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about that here, about, like, the way that, like, when you you elevate aggression and violence to a sign of male status, then men are going to respond to perceived threats to their status with violence and aggression. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, grief, like feeling like show, displaying emotional vulnerability is a threat to status right um under patriarch under yes under the patriarchy, under the patriarchy yeah. displaying emotional vulnerability is a is a sign of weakness a threat to status and so if a if a man is feeling emotionally vulnerable he is going to respond to that perceived threat to status with violence and aggression because that mm-hmm. is what his body is te- his body is telling him you have to reinforce your status and the only way to mm-hmm. do that is by anger and violence and that is just one of those other ways that like Toxic patriarchy that defines male status with anger and aggression harms men because it Mm -hmm. it encourages them to perform behaviors that are violent (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they have no like their bot like they don't know how to understand status in any other way.
0: Well, because the the patriarchy won't accept status in any other way. Yep. You know? I mean, as soon as it's actually interesting that Jaharis is known as the conciliator Mm -hmm. because and that's a good thing, because conciliating Ooh. right that's make that's making peace Uh uh-huh that's talking that's having like politics that's women's shit that's where is your sword we need your sword right you know it's it's and he's not called like jaharis the sweet talker or like (laughs) you know i I don't even know like but conciliator is like i think the most masculine sounding way you can say like negotiate yeah yeah or like the the peaceful king right exactly and it, it's i always found it interesting that he he does get away with that um even though it's kind of undermined by the fact that it's really Alisande doing these things
1: right right which is another <laughs> thing that i had in this section is like <laughs> Jaharris the conciliator question marks
0: question marks because we said we were
1: going to touch base with this throughout is like okay yeah. we reached the end of this you know this section we can start to look back on jaharis's reign what the mm. fuck is he conciliated what what what
0: has he done that is conciliatory? I mean I guess he and Alian did get the faith okay with their their Targaryen incest stuff. Yep. Yep. That they they conciliate that was a conciliation kind of thing. It was really a threat with dragons. Right. But they got them to agree. Okay, that's a conciliation. Um but that's like the only successful Right, there's the time he tried to do it and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Where he utterly failed to negotiate <laughs> with the, what was happening in the free cities because he was—he is in fact bad at this. He never—he didn't bring Dorn into the fold. Nope. Uh, nope. He—he
1: he gets shamed into reconciling with his wife.
0: Yes. He does I not mean, reconcile does, with he, his daughter. He wins over lots of lords. Like, when he first takes over, remember, like, he had, like, little audiences where they all came and sat and talked at him, and he nodded and said, yes, how does that make you feel? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He did that. That was good. I mean, it's not really conciliation, because people weren't fighting. He was just, he was getting them more comfortable with him being king. He doesn't punish Brogar Baratheon when he tries to do treason? He conciliates with him? Yep. I mean, you're really broad about the word conciliate. Right? <laughs> right? It's such a fascinating nickname. Because when you yeah. start to break it
1: down, you're like, what did he actually do to earn this? No. Does he ever even go
0: to the north or does Alisand just go to the I north? I don't
1: think he... Uh, no, he eventually gets there. And he and um, Alaric don't get along because Alaric's like, yeah, the fact that you sent a bunch of those right. dudes to the wall meant my brother died. And Jaehaerys is like... Right,
0: so he doesn't conciliate that. Alessand yes, does.
1: yes. Huh? Like it just feels like, especially in these last the last chunk of this chapter, of just a series of Jaharis going, "I don't want to meet. I don't want to be friends with that person. I don't want. I don't want to reconcile. I don't want to do yeah. that." Like, no, I'm mad
0: at my daughter. No, I I refuse to forgive. I guess if you also kind of if you kind of broaden your definition of conciliator, uh-huh. <laughs> and you in- include like bringing the realm together, which is not what can what you should call him Jaharis the means. consolidator. Really that's the word they're looking for actually is consolidate because like the road system is really important to that like the fact that he physically binds the realm together through the ability to reach each place yep. is is part of like a, and that's a huge thing he does do that's a really important bit of his reign but that's con- you're right that's consolidation not conciliation or reconciliation yep, yep. But the consolidator maybe doesn't sound as cool as <laughs>
1: right, right? Because that also that also <laughs> emphasizes that this is about consolidating Targaryen power, power, and that might right. make some people feel a little uncomfy. So mm-hmm. I wonder if part of this is like you just said, like this is a nice way to say this is a king who reigned a long time, who had a really peaceful realm and not a whole lot happened. You mm-hmm. know, like basically just like it was peaceful. He yeah. didn't really fight much. He built some roads. He had some big public mm-hmm. works. But like not a lot of shit happened. But like mm-hmm. that would make him sound boring. I mean if you're just like Jaharris. Can we agree? King, can we nothing, maybe the rain where
0: nothing happened? Like Can we maybe agree? And maybe we could talk about this more in our retrospectives. That Jaharis kinda is boring. Yes. <laughs> I mean, can we can we maybe posit that Jaharis, Targaryen, is not the most interesting character here. No.
1: And like he I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, we will get I feel like it would be good to get, like, to in our retrospective. Cause like he doesn't actually do a whole lot either. But like, yeah, like it feels like conciliator yeah. is one of those like super maybe even like hindsight nicknames to make him sound cool um and like he did do some things early on in his reign that you could vaguely define as conciliation if you brought in it like you said with the faith, like even though the stuff with the faith was really like
0: that's the big one it was really mostly the beginning of the reign yeah it was like because once they got the faith on board everything else kind of fell into place you know and i mean that was a big deal to get the faith on board given that the faith had previously fought a war over this exact issue right right? so like that was a big deal does it get him the title conciliator?
1: right especially when like as you and i have like picked apart like some of this was not entirely his idea either that like Alyssa had a huge part to do with bringing in the faith Mm -hmm. that like and alisanne later mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just wanted to point that out here especially because he had a couple of people have to tell him like Jairus, you're the conciliator. You should conciliate some things.
0: I love that his daughter, daughter, (laughs) the nun, looked at him and was like, Dad, (laughs) fucking talk to Mom. (laughs) Come on. What are you going to do, get divorced? You think the faith is going to let you do that? Go talk to her. Dad, you're the conciliator.
1: Conciliate with Mom. Like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) She just called him out. It was great. Another one of those hints that Miguel is just, like, really interesting she was willing to say that to her dad and he listened oh absolutely absolutely uh i love that um oh yeah so one other thing and then you had a question that came up not that's not specifically about this section but it came up like in Mm -hmm. as we were like chatting with each other um Mm -hmm. so the one thing that i wanted to point out is like whether or not and we can talk about this more in a retrospective so i'm just going to plant this plant this seed here whether or not this starts to signal the decline of the targaryen dynasty Yes. Because we're so used, like, the Maester wants to locate that in the dance, and specifically with Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. Like, we've Mm -hmm. talked about that, and we're going to get into more of it in season two, that, like, the Maester wants to be like, everything was great, and then the dance happened, and it all got, and it all fell apart.
0: Those women. Those women, and their
1: desire for power, but, like... It's such interesting that like the end of this reign has so much symbolism that is about frailty and death Mm -hmm. that for Mm -hmm. supposedly being still on the upswing towards like the peak Targaryen dynasty that like, you know, supposedly Viserys's reign is like the peak of Targaryen power, Mm -hmm. mostly because they have a shit ton of dragons. Um, They had the most dragons then, then. (laughs) but actually, like all of the symbolism around, like in in this section especially, because we begin with the frail old king, we end with the frail old queen, and all of
0: the Mm -hmm. children that are dying. That you're like,
1: is this really peak Targaryen power?
0: Specifically, the girls dying so Uh much. I think what's really interesting, and the reason that when you asked the question, my immediate answer was yes, Mm -hmm. was because. None of Alicent's daughters have the same status as Alicent. Yes. Yep. None of mm-hmm. them have anywhere near the agency yep. that Alicent Targaryen had. There is a a sharp and obvious step down for Targaryen women between Alicent and her daughters. Yep. Some of whom are literally killed mm-hmm. in various ways, like literally die. But the the remaining ones are d- don't have don't have the agency she yep. has. Sarah's probably the closest, right?
1: Right, and it and it is important <laughs> that she is not located, that she doesn't live in Westeros. That the mm-hmm. only way she, she's able she to escaped, have the level yeah. of wealth and status that she has is to literally
0: not be in this society, right? Exactly, and I think that's that for me is the is the sign of the decline of women of the, of, the, of, the, of the dynasty itself is like the way the women are treated because, you know, you have Visenya and Rhaenys initially, and then. You have some boys or whatever. And then you have like Alyssa, who's still like really in politics. Mm. alice who's still really in politics. Even um, second the second Alyssa, Balon's mm-hmm. wife, uh, she was like really – she seemed to have like quite a lot of agency. She died very young, so we don't know what she would have become. Right. But the rest of those daughters are just like throwaways. Right. And Jocelyn, as much. far
1: as we know, Jocelyn is doing literally nothing. Yeah. We have no hint that Jocelyn is involved in politics at all. That she's done mm-hmm. literally anything other than like have a baby. We don't know anything right, exactly. about Jocelyn, yeah. and she was supposed to be the next queen. And
0: hmm. what what is Jocelyn so what, what does doing? Does she we do? don't know. Yeah, I mean, we we have Raines, but mm-hmm. that's not one of Alisande's daughters. Yep. That's a grandchild. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, just like the, the just the step down, yep. I think from power Alisande wields to what her daughters do not wield is is so intense.
1: Yeah, the, this is the yeah. last time that we will see a targaryen queen with long-standing power that is not
0: with power that is not um resisted yeah yes this is the yeah, yeah this is the last time we'll see that we saw it with visenya mm-hmm. to an extent yep. except that the text kind of refused to acknowledge it yeah <laughs> that like vi- at least here the text acknowledges yeah that, it, that yeah.
1: visenya and Alyssa are kind of given a similar place of like i mean we all know that they're both in charge <laughs> Right, <laughs> But the text doesn't want to acknowledge that they're in charge. And even with Alysanne, right. it doesn't really want to acknowledge that she's in charge when she clearly mm-hmm. is. But she does so much that the text, like, can't ignore how much mm-hmm. she's doing because she's doing it so visibly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And there's probably, Alysanne is probably doing even more than the text acknowledges oh, yeah. because of that. Yeah. Yeah, almost certainly.
1: Um, so, yeah. So,
0: But that's definitely a good question for us to to think about and to revisit now and in future seasons um as well because that that's the question mm-hmm. really
1: right right um and then you had this really interesting question mm-hmm.
0: about dragons
1: which which is, yes. which is something comes yeah that like why don't these kids have dragons
0: so i just recently between between the last time we recorded and now i rewatched house of the dragon <laughs> and they i was watching this scene where they were picking the egg to put in joffrey's cradle mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that I don't think any of Jaharis and Alison's children had dragons born to them. I Yeah. If they did. Right? They all claimed yes. them, didn't they?
1: Yep. We know that Aemon, Balon, and Alyssa claimed a dragon. Right. Magel didn't get one. Vagon didn't get one. Sarah tried to claim a dragon. She'd, yeah, she got stopped. Got stopped. Um, uh, Visara never.
0: never had a dragon. Uh, I don't know. Did you say Dayella? Yeah, no, D- yeah, Dayella, p- No, no, Daela. Daela was scared no of her own kitten, so she couldn't. She yeah, not claimed not claim to dragon. No, okay. No but none of these these children claimed dragons. So Aemon claimed Caraxes, who was um, the red worm, was like one of the younger dragons at the time. Mm-hmm. But he claimed, that dragon wasn't born to him. Yep. Um, Balon claimed Vagar, mm-hmm. and Alyssa claimed Melis, mm-hmm. who was then later claimed by mm-hmm. Uh But none of them had dragon eggs put in their cradles. Yep. Which confuses me because didn't Jai Harris and Allison have their dragon eggs put in the cradles? They did. Reina did it. Reina did yep. it. So what the fuck happened? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's interesting that when they talk about Reina doing that, they were like, "Oh yes, the long-standing target, like the tradition of putting dragon eggs in babies' cradles that Reina started." And I'm like, tradition? What? Yeah. What tradition? <laughs> she did it. She did it for her siblings, and then they did not do it.
0: But then by the time. We know from House of the Dragon, by the time Rhaenyra is having children, they are doing it. They are putting eggs yep. in cradles. Yeah, but wh- yeah, th-
1: why didn't Jaehaerysin yeah. and do it with their kids?
0: So this is my, my tinfoil uh-huh. theory. Uh, my tinfoil theory is that they did for the first few, mm. and the dragons didn't hatch. And then they stopped.
1: Ooh.
0: They did it for the first couple kids, and uh, the the dragon eggs either didn't hatch or hatched into some weird shit. And they buried that shit real fast. And then stopped with it. That That's my, if I was going to adapt it to the screen, that's my tinfoil theory. I like that idea. Because I can't imagine them not trying. Yeah, But they they have Vermithor and Silverwing because of, they, they grew up with their own dragons. It was a huge part of their childhood. How could they possibly overlook that for their own children? Mm-hmm. For all of their children? You know? Daenerys didn't get a dragon
1: aid either, I don't think.
0: No. No dragons for Daenerys
1: hmm or as far as we know as far as we
0: know I, that's what as far as we know exactly yeah, as far as we yeah, know i
1: like the idea that they tried and it didn't work and so they stopped and they just quietly didn't tell anyone and then they stopped doing it and so no one knows
0: right um like if they did it for for they did it maybe for Eamon and, and even maybe they could have done something like maybe um the very first boy they had, Aegon, yeah. the one that dies as a baby. Mm-hmm. Maybe they put one in his crib for the short time he lived, and then maybe they put the same egg in with Aemon, and it just never hatched. And they were like, "Oh, well, it was like, it was tainted or some such shit. I yeah. don't know, whatever." And then they put one in, a different one in for Balon, and it also didn't hatch. Uh-huh. And they were just like, "Never mind." Yeah, maybe we'll let them and claim yeah. them when they're teenagers. Yeah, we'll just keep these <clears throat> in the in the odd dragon mm-hmm. still. We don't we don't need to we don't need to move them from dragonstone yeah. you yeah know. i
1: also have a somewhat related question is why did viserys claim balerion
0: fun um Funsies. old dragon slow easy right right cuz we've talked about <laughs> balerion
1: as a symbol of power
0: um mm-hmm. that you know that is
1: often why we have these other characters trying to claim balerion um mm-hmm. like um aria and um Probably Sarah. Probably, Sarah, yeah, probably would have wanted because it's a symbol of power. Um, mm. But by the time Viserys comes around, Valerian's probably is like clearly very old. He even acknowledges, like, well, I was going to fly to Dragonstone, but like he didn't seem up to it. I don't think he's up for, he's it, not yeah. up for it. So I, my headcanon is is based on what we know of Viserys' personality. That Viserys mm. is so hesitant to display power. He actually doesn't seem to mm. want to have visible power Mm -hmm. my headcanon is that he knew balerion was too old
0: and Mm. so was relying
1: on people are going to think that claiming balerion is cool but actually i don't actually want a dragon that can actually do anything dangerous Mm -hmm. because after balerion dies which balerion dies shortly thereafter like within within the year yeah
0: within the year. And yeah. Viserys
1: doesn't claim any other dragon. So my headcanon is that he I is like that, that he claims Balerion precisely because claiming Balerion is both like oh yeah you claim that you claim like the biggest oldest dragon but also the biggest oldest dragon is really old and probably going to die soon so he doesn't mm-hmm. actually have to be a dragon rider that he could be like yeah. oh yeah i put like i got my sticker more like my little my little merit badge for dragon rider which means that mm-hmm. i like i'm a cool dragon rider person but like the least amount of effort dragon rider and yes. then when he dies
0: you can just be like uh,
1: uh, but i did it already
0: yeah oh i can't i can't possibly claim another one after, after- valerian. oh yes valerian I'm <laughs> oh, so attached oh, i just can't, can't do it. it can't do yeah, it yeah that's my that's my can head you pain. imagine can you imagine patty Considine's of uh, a on a fucking dragon <laughs> Eyes closed. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, riding a dragon seems really scary. That whole sequence of the Vagar claim in right. uh, House of the Dragon is terrifying. It's it's you're riding a giant dinosaur the through the sky. Only dragon I can see
1: if riding is Balerion because I can see the kind of very slow, yeah, like. <laughs>
0: Valerian's like the old pony at the circus or I'd like, like yes. the, the kid's playground or whatever. Like the kid birthday party yeah. that you put the child on and it just goes around. Okay, we're going Yes,
1: I can the absolutely <laughs> see Show Viserys on like the slowest pony Balerian. <laughs> no other dragon though. <laughs> just that one. Oh, I love that. But yeah, he's just like a sweet, he just, he doesn't actually want to he wants i just feels like this is so emblematic of viserys as a character that he wants like the the symbols of power but only like in as much as he needs them mm-hmm. but he doesn't actually want to have power he just like no some part of him is like well i got to do this
0: like this is expected of yeah, me it's yeah it's
1: expected of me but like this to me like claiming balerion is the sign that like you're doing what's expected, but you don't actually want to follow through. You don't actually want to follow through on right. being a dragon rider. So you pick, like, exactly. the old one that's probably going to die, but that everyone thinks is really cool.
0: hmm Is Viserys knighted at this point? Is he a knight? I don't no? think that Viserys is ever knighted. I, thought I was wondering about that, because I was watching, when I was re-watching the show, I was thinking to myself, like, has this man ever been knighted? Did he? I don't think he did he's that. Not, he's not super martial in that way. I don't no. think that he was ever he- knighted. He- no, he knows how to hold black fire and wear a crown to look menacing. Right,
1: Yes, and like that, like it, it
0: He doesn't really want to fight you. No, he
1: doesn't. He doesn't want to fight you. He wants he I wants love you to him. forget that he's in charge because he does, he feels weird about being in charge. And wants you to forget that he wants you to think that Targaryens are just like normal people. That he's just like mm-hmm. he's like, I'm just a dad too. I am just a I'm just a, you know, minivan dad. He's like
0: I I am not exceptional. And I am not closer to God than nope. men. I just i I just want to have my wife and my kid, and that's right. It. And if Gobble you were, zone. and
1: if you were the second-born child, that would have been just fine. You just that's yep not great rule, not great kingship. To like, mm-hmm. yeah. If you want, if you want your dynasty to fall apart, then like definitely this is a king that could make it fall apart. Mm-hmm. Who like doesn't want to yeah. wield power, doesn't want to, doesn't want to get involved in conflict. Um, yeah. Yeah, Viserys. Yeah. I think, um, at one point, back when I was gonna do a, a whole video series on this on YouTube, um, I have a video called Viserys, Ostrich or King.
0: Viserys <laughs> Ostrich
1: what? or King. Oh!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. True, though. True, he's an
1: ostrich. <laughs> like, why not both? He is both ostrich and king, and it is not great. Um, but anyway, yeah, like he claims Balerion so that he doesn't actually have
0: to. I completely agree. I'm I'm on board with this headcanon entirely, a hundred percent. But I wanted to. The reason I brought up the dragon eggs thing was that uh, we should keep an eye on the text because the text is later going to say, um, in the tradition of House Targaryen, an egg was placed in thus and such's cradle, and it's like a whole generation of Targaryens was left out of that tradition. Mm-hmm a whole generation yeah so you know as were Raynus, viserys and Damon. they weren't given eggs in their cradles right. either
1: yeah you know? they all had to claim their dragons so, too exactly yeah interesting interesting to think about that in terms of entitlement
0: that like this is why you have to have your gay aunt around so she can be like remember to get the egg and put it in the cradle uh-huh. come on right like and then there's stuff later on about, like, some people's eggs not hatching and, like, that being a, a, a point against them and things like that. And it's, like, the, the, none of the... 13 of them. Yeah. No new dragons from 13 children. Yep. None. yep.
1: Yeah. there they're, One could make an interesting... We don't have to do this now because we're going very long. Um, but the, <laughs> so just, just but there's, like, an interesting way that you could argue, that you could talk about, like, dragons as... Because dragons are power, right? Um, mm-hmm. That, like the entitlement to power versus having to like prove yourself to gain power. That mm-hmm. like um hmm. uh Jaharis and Alisand were like born into power in a way. They were given power when they were a very young age and they, they inhabit their lives as if they are entitled to it. Um mm-hmm. and their children have to kind of earn it in a way. They have to mm-hmm. earn they have to they have to have the agency to claim their power. Um, in a way that that Alisan and Jaharis did not. Yes. Um, and we don't have time for this now, but maybe in one of our retrospectives we could talk about maybe the the way that that might work itself
0: out in the ways that they ruled behave. And behave. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: could definitely see that. That's really interesting. I like that a lot. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, we are in fact going extraordinarily long. Right. Um, so we should wrap have- up. <laughs> <laughs> finale it's extra long folks it's fine exactly exactly um so next time we are not reading anything we're taking a break from the text we are going to be working on the retrospectives we've been referencing so some will be me and gretchen some will fingers crossed be with guests hopefully we have enough friends mm-hmm. to do that um and uh the release schedule for those un- unclear at this point uh just because we have to organize those sorts of things mm-hmm. um but it, i mean it should be relatively regular i'm sure we'll, we'll figure it out shortly um and so that, that's going to be what's going on. We'll also be, hey, listen, we can also answer questions. If you guys have Ooh, questions that you want us to talk about, feel free to email us. Um, our email is podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram as podcast So if you want to reach out to us, if you have questions, if you have um, commentary on our analysis, I've gotten some emails that are commentary on our analysis. We are not correct about everything. So if you have thoughts about it, please critique us we like we like pain um we we like to be critiqued uh-huh. as well uh absolutely. and uh some really good insights on some uh some things about the text so by all means like anything you guys want to write to us about we're just happy that anyone listens to us um, right
1: yeah if you've got if you've got your own like tinfoil theories about or how you would want how you would be scripting mm. this that you want us to talk about like what do you think about doing it this way absolutely 100% if we get enough absolutely. we could do like uh, like a mailbag episode we get enough responses yeah. from people, we could do like an episode that's just like talking through questions and things from people mm-hmm. from folks so if you
0: have them please send them our way yeah absolutely we would love love to see them so uh let's go ahead and wrap up this episode uh, are you ready to sign yeah off? um until next
1: time remember um if you are a king under patriarchal feudalism you can forgive treason but not female sexual agency
2: <laughs>
0: damn it it's so accurate <laughs> You know what it is, Gretchen? You can't threaten female sexual agency with your dragon. That's the problem. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh man. And until next time, remember, make sure to take your calcium. It's very important that everyone gets the right amount of calcium in their diet so that you two don't die on the serpentine steps. Mm-hmm. Right. So keep up keep up with your calcium and take everyone.
1: Right. If you if you are a queen who gives birth to 13 children, <laughs> make sure you take your calcium gummies. Take your calcium. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: They come in lots of good flavors. Yeah, they
1: got some <laughs> chocolate ones and some caramel ones, mm-hmm. and they're just like candy. Yep. It's great.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our exceptionally long podcast.
1: If there's anything <laughs> exceptional talk- about this podcast, it's not the Targaryens. It's how long this <laughs> it is. It's
0: the fucking length. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you again for joining us for season one. Bye, everyone. Bye. So, so regarding uh, my shoe story, uh, I, I am a very much a fashion over form person. It's something, like, I want my outfits to look, look nice. I'm, I like fashion. I'm a fashion girly. And uh, consequently, I have a little collection of sneakers of different variety of colors. So I can coordinate my sneaker appropriately to my outfit. It's very important. The shoe completes the outfit. Mm -hmm. Um, That said... Because I don't have, like, a consistent pair of sneakers that I wear, none of them are broken in. Oh, so totally. I can't, uh-huh. yeah, I can't just, like, slip my foot into a shoe. I have to, like, sit down, untie the shoe, put it on, retie the shoe. It takes, like, 15 minutes to put fucking shoes on for me. <laughs> so, consequently, when I have to go outside briefly, I will not put shoes on. I'll just have socks on, and I'm like, oh, I gotta run to the mailbox, or I gotta run to my car. Like, I don't, I don't usually go very far. Mm-hmm. Um. So today I was coming home and I was leaving the place I was leaving. And I'm like, I don't want to have to put my shoes on. I'm just walking out to my car and driving home. Like I'm not getting out again until I get home. So I just carried my shoes, drove home without shoes. And when I got out of my car to get back into my apartment, there's one of my neighbors watching me (laughs) walk in like holding shoes. (laughs) she just looks at me she's like a kind of like a older mother uh-huh and she's kind of looking at me she kind of gives me the like up and down and like looks at my shoes looks at me looks at my bare feet kind of like does like a like trying to figure out what's going on uh-huh. and I had to walk past her to get inside oh no <laughs> and so I'm just like I'm just walking with my shoes kind of trying to, I'm holding my like my book and my phone and my coffee and I'm just like walking past them like good morning and I just keep going <laughs> Me questions. I don't want to explain. <laughs> but my shoes I had today were white, and so it kind of looks like I almost like wasn't wanting to wear them because they're white shoes. Or so, like I wear them all the time. I just bleach them regularly. So it like, comes like I'm like this is normal. I promise my feet are okay. I have thick socks on. I was wondering
1: if maybe she was doing a like. <laughs> is this a walk of shame? <laughs> Why would my shoes be off
0: for that, though?
1: That's like, isn't that like, what is it, when they show a walk of shame, a lot of times it's like a like a girl walking home and she's like carrying her shoes or... Well, because she's carrying her
0: heels. Yeah. Normally. That's it like, because you don't want to put your heels on in the morning. I mean, but these are just sneakers. Oh. Yeah, you're I right. I was just being lazy. I was just being a very lazy person. <laughs> I just, so my
1: solution to that is that I wear slippers all day. Like slippers with mm-hmm. like hard soles. Partly because I my feet, are, like my that, feet yeah. are constant, are often very cold. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wear slippers and then if it's like oh, I just need to, like, take this bag of trash out to the garbage. I'm like, well, I'm wearing slippers anyway, so I can just walk yeah. outside.
0: So I just walk on my toes everywhere. I'm like, I was always a toe walker as a kid. Uh-huh. I was one of those kids. Um, did you ever and... pretend
1: Did you ever pretend that
0: you were a ballerina when you did that? I definitely sometimes did. I was literally a ballerina as a child because my mom put me in every heteronormative oh. uh, thing I could possibly do. So I did a little, little dance as a kid. I was bad at it. Uh, but so I'm sure I did pretend I was barely but I just, like naturally walk on my toes okay um and uh so when I walk outside like this oh on top of this I'm walking with no shoes on carrying all this stuff on my toes from my car like <laughs> so she must have been like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> but I also try to take I try to take as few steps as possible normally so I like I'll like kind of leap into each step so like when I take the garbage out with no shoes on I kind of am like boing 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 on my toes between me and the (laughs) which in retrospect i must have been observed doing this by neighbors before and (laughs) it makes logistical
1: sense to do it that way it does i totally agree with you you minimize the amount of
0: like foot that you put on the dirty ground right exactly and you make it it, and it's it's fewer steps so it's less i don't know it's Makes sense to me. Anyway, that's what happened to me this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Really good time.